I, I've forgiven John Madden for being such a fucking baby about uh, Immaculate Reception. I've forgiven him. I know Ivan can <laughs> forgive him too. <laughs> Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is August 21st, a Wednesday evening. One of the very few days that Pep doesn't have softball, isn't sparings for softball, isn't drinking next to softball. So we are able to... Well, maybe not drinking still. Yeah, okay. You know, it is what it is. (laughs) Call a spade a spade. But it's... uh, Ball season's coming up to an end. So uh, like you were mentioning earlier, it's going to be nice to to get our schedules back on a little bit. For those who can't tell, we are uh, not live. We are not together at a... Local establishment, most recently, has been the RA Center. We are actually back to the old roots where we're doing it remotely. Which is cool. It is cool. There's some new technology I'd like to take advantage of. Uh, Hopefully the internet is fast enough and we don't have any choppiness. Um, So far so good. So far so good. Again, you know, we got, uh, I'd say we'll do a quick one, but it's probably an hour. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. (laughs) Hey, listen, I uh, want to congratulate my softball team. Speaking of softball, the Woodies, after a, I think what most would consider a, we uh, made the finals by winning our two round robin games. So by some miracle, we're in the finals next week. And we are uh, playing for our ninth championship in 19 seasons. So, uh, yeah, congratulations to them. Congratulations to you, Brock Fleming, for a hole-in-one. Hole-in-one. Was was it a par three, par four, par what? Like, what What? Ha- what the hell happened? Uh, it has been a roller coaster the last couple of days with the uh, instant stardom that has come with hitting a hole-in-one. I had no idea it was that big of a deal. Uh, played, like, uh, played with Ken Tasker, a bu- good buddy of mine, Ken Tasker. For those who don't know who he is, uh, stay tuned for uh, episodes closer to hockey season that will involve Ken. Ken is a uh, former professional hockey player, uh, played in the ECHL, AHL, uh, all that kind of stuff. He's Google him if you want to. You'll find some YouTube videos of some legendary, I'm talking legendary, fisticuffs on the ice. Um, st- again, I'm getting off the hole in one, but I remember being at Colgate, sharing a room with my roommate, Ben Rowden, who's from Michigan. So big hockey guy. I love the Red Wings. And uh, he calls me and he says, Brock, 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 come check this out. So I race in, we're watching TV. Of course, this is back in, you know, 98, 99. It's the, you know, not a flat screen. It's not HD, but... I'm watching this. He's watching a show called uh, When Sports Go Bad. It was that or Sports Disasters, one of the two. Anyway, he's watching this, and there's a scrap at center ice, and these two guys are going toe-to-toe. There is not an ounce of defense, and it's just one lick after another, each of them to the other person's face, and it's whoever's going to last the longest. And I start looking at the screen, 
And I said, I said, Ben, I said, turn it up a little bit. Turns up the volume. And all I hear is, as the volume comes up, as I hear is task over the right, task over the right, task over the other right. I said, holy <laughs> shit. I said, that guy right there in red, that's one of my best friends. He, that's Ken Tasker from Elmer. And he is throwing down and is on this nationally syndicated uh I don't even want to say blooper show. It's just one of those like highlight shows yeah. and his fight is on it. Anyway, uh, YouTube him. You will not be disappointed. And the stories that he's going to say fight. I remember that fight. It, it felt like it was going on and on. Like it was like, must've been two minutes straight. And you know how uh, a regular NHL hockey fight, especially with the big boys, they get, to, they get so, so full of lactic acid that they act. Actually, they literally just tire out within about 30 seconds to 45 seconds, not because they're taking a beating, but just because their muscles give out. But this went on and flush both guys. Kudos to the guy that he flew because they both took shots like shot after shot. It was a what a fight. But anyway, you're you were golfing with this legend, Ken Tasker. So who's, Ken and I were um, golfing. He's a, he's picked up a little bit more. His father's a big golfer. So Ken is getting yeah. into it. Anyway, he convinces me to go in this Ottawa Sun scramble. So what it is, is it's it's competitive. You go into these certain divisions based on your average score. So we're lower in C division may actually be a division higher than we should be in. Um, for to put in perspective, uh, level A or group A um, had guys like Claude Giroux in it, you know, who's a scratch golfer. Anyway, we're playing and uh, yeah, we get to the seventh hole. It's fairly early in the morning. You know, we get there. It's one of those uh, closest to the pin type thing. So this isn't like a tournament. This actually was raising money for a charity on that one. So you could pay five bucks, you know, compete in the closest to the hole. Um there's no ATM at the uh, the course. I didn't know you can get cash back at the bar. Anyway, so we didn't have any cash on us. So Ken and I are like, ah, oh, whatever. We're not going to play. So I just throw the ball down on the turf. I'm like, screw using the tee. It hasn't worked for me all day. And um, yeah, just hit a, you know, probably a, a nice crisp pitching wedge shot. And uh, it was a par three. And we just saw it hit the green. I was like, nice. We're in tight. And it started rolling. And then, boop, foot in the hole. And for me, yeah, boop, that's it. And uh, whatever, it was, I've only picked up golf last year. So I haven't, you know, been around hole-in-ones or anything like that. And I have never seen jubilation like Ken Tasker. Like he, you know, if I wasn't 330 pounds right now, I think he would have lifted me up and like carried me around. But jumps up, (laughs) high fives, the smile on his face, like that made it 100% worth it was having him there to one, witness it, and two, his enthusiasm after was, you know, second to none. But of course, for me, Off like... the charts. Yeah, some guys get hole-in-ones, okay? You hear about it, they tell you stories, but nothing, you know, it's it's only the guy he's golfing with that can attest to it. This one I had, you know, the uh, officials from the Sun Scramble there watching because they got a tent set up for the closest to the pin. I have the other two guys that I'm golfing with, and then Ken, and then... You know, the other guys on the green, there's another green that's right next to our tee off box that they're like, was that a hole in one? Yeah. Anyway, by the time I got back to the clubhouse, wild, I was, everybody knew, oh, there's Brock. There's the hole in one guy. So it was, uh, it was interesting. And, you know, Don Brennan is there because it's an <laughs> Ottawa Sun uh, scramble. So they sponsor it. Anyway, of course, you know, you get a member of the media at the same time. And um, it, it just, just, it was funny how everything happened. Uh, the guy who runs that uh, golf course, the dragonfly in Renfrew. His name's Chris. And uh, I thought he looked familiar. 
And so people were talking about the hole in one and he's like, oh, how are those clubs treating you? I was like, oh, shit. I'm like, he worked at Golf Town last year, which is where I went and got, he fitted me for my clubs that I was using that my mom had bought for me on my birthday. It was uh, this guy that fitted me for the clubs. Now he's managing that, uh, that golf course and I ended up hitting a hole in one. Anyway, it was kind of funny how That's it all kind of came about. for uh, Golf Town, I'd say, or whatever, or golf, where, where'd you get them clubs for Golf Town? Golf Works. Golf Works. He used Sorry. to work Golf Town, so I got some clubs from there, but I, uh, I hit a Golf Works multi wedge. Actually, Golf Works is the uh, um, the company, so they're a wonderful store, but their owner is ha- is the one who gave Ken and I the entry into this tournament. We qual- we tried to do the qualifier uh, like two days ago or uh, last week, and we did not play well, so we didn't qualify to get in, but uh, he knew the owner of Golf Works, and they had automatic entries or whatever, so like sponsored entries. And, um, yeah, he gave them to us. So there was a bit more pressure because, you know, we had to represent golf works. So, uh, it was kind of nice to be able to at least put one in and have some sort of positive, positive thing that came out of it. Um, but overall it was, it was just a great day, you know? So anyway, yada, yada, I have the ball. The article in the paper today was ridiculous. Um, I was expecting a little blurb from Don Brennan, whatever, because we sat down and I was just I was just shooting the shit with him. He was asking about my football stuff and he was on a baseball team that I used to play against when I was playing the men's league and stuff too. So we had some um, common ground there. Anyway, uh, a, just an innocent conversation turned into this full page and a half uh, spread in the Ottawa Sun today. It was hilarious. My wife was dying. She's like, only I, you. No, I, I read it, and it was so good. It's so good, though. And Don Brand's a good local guy. He's been around for a long time and uh, um, a good representative of Ottawa sports, I think, generally speaking. And Ken oh, yeah. Tasker, for those uh, who don't know him, is uh, one of the nicest guys. Like, he really is a nice guy. And on the ice, he just played his role. But he is just a nice dude, man. But uh, congratulations, Brock. That's not something you hear every day. Par three, par four, whatever. A hole in one's a hole in one, bro. And uh, I always, I say this all the time to anybody who'll listen that, like, you are probably one of the best athletes I know. Like, like you, you might be, oh. you might be six six. You might weigh whatever you weigh. Big man, always been a big guy. But your hands, you got like, you got like tight end hands. You got nimble feet. I saw on the basketball court, you're, you, I mean, you could have had a basketball career if you, if you really wanted to. So, uh, not surprised. Your uh, overall athleticism is uh, pretty impressive. So, congratulations, buddy. Well, awesome. thank you very much. Those are uh, very high praise. I, I very appreciate welcome. that. All right. Wow. Moving on from a hole in one, which is ninety percent luck. Let's let's be be honest. Remember, Brennan asked me like wow. if that was like one of my most uh, the best athletic accomplishments, and I was like, no. You know, I hit one good shot, went in the hole. I'm like, I played full seasons of football and stuff that had, took a lot more uh, dedication yeah. and work to get to. But, uh, you know, I can see it being, uh, it's a fun thing more than anything, but I wouldn't call it an athletic accomplishment by any means. Some, sometimes you got to be good to be lucky though, right? I guess. Yeah. You got to put yourself in that situation. Yeah. Uh, all right. We are talking AFC Rock. West today, bud. We are, but before we talk about AFC West, I oh. do, I do want to mention the XFL. Oh my God! Just released its the names of its teams, and uh, there's some beauties here. Um, 
one just the image I have on my phone isn't isn't blowing up like I wanted to. So there's one team that I think it's in. I can't tell what the city is, but we've got the Dallas Renegades. All right, kind of cool. Pulling the old Ottawa name, I like the, it. The, the The logo looks like the old Ottawa logo too. It's a it's like a masked man with a hat or whatever. It's really weird. Um, the Houston Roughnecks. Kinda okay. Cool. I don't. I, I actually I like that. Um, well, I'm I'm fine. I'm feeling a very CFL vibe right now. The Roughnecks, Rough Riders, right. the Renegades, and uh, you know, right? Exactly. Now, yeah, we're gonna have the uh, Cincinnati Stampeders. <laughs> yeah, right. The uh, I'm looking at the uh, the the Houston Roughnecks logo. It's the uh, it looks like the the like the, that oil that oil steeple that you that the old Houston Oilers used to have. Um, very fascinating. L.A. Wildcats. The I can't tell what city this is, but it's the blank Guardians. The, the logo is too small. The St. Louis Battlehawks, Seattle Dragons, uh, Tampa Bay Vipers, and the DC Defenders. The DC Defenders. There's your eight XFL teams. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing the XFL. I'm not going to lie. I'm uh, um, just curious to see what Vince McMahon has up his sleeve. Um, you know, maybe a clothesline or two, a suplex. Uh, I don't know. We'll see what he has to bring. Well, don't blink. I don't know how long this league is going <laughs> to last either. So <laughs> Longer than what we saw this past, uh, uh, this past winter. What was that league? The one right after the, the NFL uh, ended, it was like, a, uh, it was just AAF, AAFL, a, uh, who cares? It's done. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> it's like Alliance, so like the American Alliance or Alliance of America football or some, something like that. Brock, I tried, I tried hard <clears throat> to watch it. I want to say, you know what? You can give this a shot. It's just, the timing is poor. You're, it's right after the Super Bowl. No one cares, man. We're all Super Bowled out. We're footballed out. Then you're throwing in this Bush League, basically Bush League uh, league, with teams I've never heard of, with uniforms that all look the same. Uh, it was so off. Anyway, I'm I am wishing the XFL luck because I think they're a spring league, if I'm not mistaken, which is very smart. So. <sighs> yeah, I knew I what they were trying to do. Like, if you go from the Super Bowl and then you have some. Uh, downtime and you're now into hockey and basketball and whatever it's hard to then get ramped up for another football season if you kind of go from like the hype of the super bowl and you're like bam we got another league let's see what this is all about i'm still into football let's go um you know i can see kind of what they're doing there but um yeah Yeah, i don't know unless yeah i just i'll watch the xfl i'll watch the first part uh, I'm expecting to see he hate me run for the opening scrum and <laughs> break his shoulder too. The- <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, yeah. I, that's what I want to see. I want to see that. I want to see, you know, leading with the helmet. I want to see, for, I want to see defensive receivers get smoked. <laughs> I want all the things the NFL's taken. I want to see guys wear like old 2008 shut helmets. I want, uh, you know, I just want to see everything the NFL has taken away. I want to see that in the XFL. I, I, I'm amazed at what the XFL back in the day did as uh, pioneers of like 
different different camera angles. They were the first ones to draw that camera all the way down to the field from like the ceiling or whatever, you know, the cross wires and like yeah, the, yeah. and yeah. I think the NBC NBC does it occasionally where they drop the the <clears throat> camera behind the quarterback. XFL did that long before the NBC ever decided to do it. So kind of cool what the XFL had their their ideas were cool they were forward thinking the mic'd up quarterbacks the mic'd up coaches that was them so some of the stuff we're seeing now in the NFL and in the CFL the XFL basically was the crash test dummy for it so I got to give them a little bit of credit you know I'm a little biased too because I am a wrestling fan and I I like Vince McMahon um, in terms of his creativity but Football's a whole different beast, and people love their teams, and people love their towns, and you know, the, there's a lot of NFL teams that have a long history. So it's hard to it's hard to hop on the bandwagon of a fucking like expansion team, you know, that already has a pro a pro team in their city. So I, if I'm if I'm uh, the LA Wildcats, am I drawing anybody when I already have the LA Chargers and the LA Rams? Like you. you give a shit about the win in LA. So I'm interested to see their success. But anyway, we're way off track here. Let's get back to what I would consider to be the best league in the world, the NFL. The NFL on the XFL, last one. You know, I would have liked to have seen them. No, this just came to me. I was really, I had no thought process done for the XFL before this at all, (laughs) nor will I do any of it after. But um, the amount of wrestlers that used to be football players then kind of go back and try like, (laughs) Uh, you know, Brock Lesnar, uh, Sid Justice, um, and Bill Goldberg, Bill Goldberg, all those guys. If this league had come into play, what I, you know, if you're a wrestling fan, I'm not, so I don't even, you know, I can't even tell you. The Rock was another one, anyway. Seeing those wrestlers on those teams, like there should be a mandatory superstar wrestler that plays football for each team, <laughs> yeah. I, they're I, big enough. Lord knows they're big enough. They're big enough. You know, give them a spot to do it. I think it would be uh, great. Tie in uh, the football to the wrestling. Anyway, that's it for the XFL. Pep, let's take a real quick break <laughs> so that we can uh, we'll uh, reconnect. See if the connection gets a little bit more because you're a little choppy there. So uh, we'll be okay. right back. Sounds good. But I'm on my break. and we are back talking a little afc west uh yeah buddy serious some serious afc heavyweights uh reside in the west and you know it's always been it's always been a division that has if there isn't a Super Bowl contender in the division, they're awfully close almost every year. And uh, last year was no exception. You know, if we look at maybe a play or two here and there in that in that playoff game, it could have been the Chiefs and the Rams in the finals. But, you know, as we all know what happened with uh, with that game, you know, well, we're not going to talk about the Chiefs right away. We're, we're going to start with the San Diego, San Diego. I'll never be able to say never. LA Chargers, man. It's It's the LA Chargers, but in my heart, they'll always be the San Diego Chargers. But the Chargers um, will never actually be in your can, heart. Let's be honest. Well, San Diego, I, I got to tell you, it's San Diego, the accounts, whale's I've vagina. Never, I, <laughs> I should have had that clip. Damn it! I, uh, by all accounts, 
everyone who's visited San Diego has absolutely loved the city. And, you know, they lost their team, you know, because of their uh, the stadium situation. It's not because of a lack of uh, lack of support. So anyway, um, the L.A. Chargers are what we start where we're going to start. And they had a very, very good season last year. But, you know, Brock, we're taught let's everything starts with the quarterback and Philip Rivers. Again, that class of 2004, uh, the last of those those high end quarterbacks to not win a Super Bowl. His window is if it's not closed, it's darn near close. So I don't know how much gas this guy has left in the tank. You know, his arm clearly is he still has arm strength. I don't think that's ever going to be an issue with Philip Rivers, but he's never been very nimble. Um, you know, they've made some changes to their offensive line again this year. They they may have improved, but there's certainly some changes along the offensive line in, in uh, L.A. And, uh, you know, they lost Tyrell Williams to their crosstown rivals. Well, in Oakland anyways. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't know how to read this team. I uh they, they seem to overachieve when no one uh, expects anything from them, and they underachieve when they're Super Bowl contenders every single year. So uh, I, I don't know. How do you feel about Phillip Rivers this year? What's what's the uh, what's the story with him, and is he going to lead this team back to the playoffs? When you talk about Phillip Rivers' window closing, that is as accurate as you can get, and I think it's pretty much shut down now. Philip Rivers can't do it all by himself. I get it. How he has lasted this long and gets balls into the windows that he gets them in by the mechanics that he has still baffles me to this day. They showed, um, there was a video, they are doing a quarterback competition type thing at practice, and Buddy Boy was nailing every single target impressively without missing. But his mechanics, I still don't, it's like his shoulder hitches. So the fact that he's played this long is amazing. How he, is he as a leader and a guy that will, um, you know, bring those, that young nucleus that uh, they have within uh, within the, their locker room? I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. They're, the Chargers are one of those teams you just don't see a lot of on the East Coast. And I don't know if that's because I don't look for them. I don't want to see them. Or if it's because of coverage and for time zones and whatever. But they have all the pieces this year, I think, to make a push in their division. But I think this division is pretty strong overall. And I think that it's going to be a real tough task for them. You talk about their offensive line. Their offensive line with the the preseason rankings is 13. Um, you know, not great, not horrible by any means. You know, Mike Pouncey is their center. This is a Florida Gator kid. You know, uh, his brother is a Steeler. These guys come from great pedigree. So right away, they're starting on a positive, having him in the center. You know, they drafted that Trey Pipkin um, in the third round, late in the third round, um, which gives them a little bit more depth. I think if I look at their depth chart, they got... And one of the names that really stands out to me now, he's down on the depth chart, so we'll see how he gets up. But the guy's name is Larry Allen Jr. And if you remember... The Larry Allen Jr.? The Larry Allen Jr. Now, if that guy lives up to three quarters of what his father was, will be an animal. But that being said, he came from Dallas, so I don't know if... Like, Dallas would have held on to them, I think, if they had seen it, but... 
it, it just looking at that oh. name and their depth chart, I was like, oh my god, it was a bl- it was a blast of the past. And uh, Larry Allen was one of the best that ever did it. Um, you know, uh, overall the, the Chargers, yeah, there's some their own line will be good. Um, they're probably ranked above what their metrics usually would say, um, but. The biggest thing that they're going to benefit from is a lot of the players are returning, so that chemistry's there, and the offensive scheme and stuff will be very easy to reproduce because they're not going to be changing anything. Um, but their their job is to keep Philip Rivers on his feet, so it'll be interesting to see what they do and how they do. Look at their uh, look at their receiving core, and you know, like I had mentioned, uh, they lost Tyrell Williams to Oakland, the uh, Oakland Raiders. And I, I think that's actually a very, very big loss because now you're now you've put up Travis Benjamin comes up and now he becomes your your other starter on the other end. But Travis Benjamin is a lot like, you know, an Edelman. He's he's an undersized guy who probably is a slot. And I don't think he's got the got the route running in the wheels like Antonio Brown to be able to survive on the outside without that kind of size. So and then you look at their depth chart, if they suffer any and Keenan Allen, I mean, uh, elite talent, that wide receiver, but it is, uh, has been hurt often throughout his career. So, you know, you've got Andre Patton and Artavis Scott as their backups. Uh, uh, I, I don't, I've never even heard of those guys. So, you know, for me, depth at wide receiver could make or break them. We all know the situation with Melvin Gordon. He's clearly not going to be ready for, for week one. And there's talk about him holding out for the year. So can Austin yeah. Eckler, and Justin Jackson carry the load. I mean, I don't know. I, you know what? You you go from a you go from a, a workhorse to uh, a running back by committee, and you know between Eckler and Jackson, both those guys bring a different look to the backfield. So the the key will be for the offensive coordinator is to make sure there's enough variation off of the packages when those two guys are in to not tip their hat as to what they're going to be doing. So by what I mean is that Gordon gave you that option of running kind of downhill, but also, you know, catch the balls in the flats, be a little bit more finesse. He kind of brought it all. So you, your playbook is very open with a guy like Eckler. He's not the biggest guy. So he's not going to be a guy who's going to be in there on third and one necessarily because he's not going to, but the teams know he's not going to go down downhill with much success. So for the offensive corner, he's got to create those packages to make sure that, um, you know, it doesn't limit their play calls when those running backs are in the backfield and tip their hands to the defense. So there's going to be some work on the back end in terms of coaching, but from a skill standpoint and what they have to, to uh, put in the backfield, I think those two guys are, are very capable. You know, you talk about Tyrell Williams going to Oakland. I expect Mike Williams to have a monster season because of that. And that dude is a beast. He's just, there's yeah. a lot of mouths to feed. Now with, with, with Tyrell being gone, Mike's going to get fed a lot. Keenan Allen also shout out and I apologize. No, I don't apologize. I made a prediction on the Madden rating. You know, I thought he was an 88, I think is what I called. They gave him an 89, so I thought I was pretty accurate. Then he went on a rant, just uh, an update. Madden has updated his um, abilities and actually went to his practice, I think, to tell him that. So now he's like a 92 or something. <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ. Anyway. It's uh, 
I don't know if it's because he said he was going to boycott Madden because the guy made sure, like, now that you're 92, you're not going to boycott Madden or you're not going to, like, tell people to boycott it. Anyway, whatever. It's funny how video games get That's into guys' heads. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, so he's a 92 well, now. Look. look. It looks like that's what they're going to be. I mean, they look by the look of their offense and their depth chart. Uh, you know, it looks like, you know, it's going to be three wides and one tight end. Um, so they're going to play with a single back, you know, and um, it's we'll, we'll see what happens. I offensively, I, I don't see them lighten up the uh, scoreboard like they did last year. They were they were a team to reckon with on offense. They had a lot of weapons. They came in. I remember. And again, I'm going to I'm going to ref. I'm going to reference Pittsburgh often, guys. So if you're listening, just you're going to have to deal with it. But they came into <laughs> Pittsburgh last year, went down early at halftime and then came back and kicked our ass in the second half with good, solid defense and uh, and smart deceptive offensive play calling. So uh, kudos to their coach. Brock, we'll, we'll finish off with their defense. Finish and, off with their defense. And then we'll pr- their defense well, yeah, is what's well, going to make or break them this year. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And that's uh, – I was saving the best for last because <clears throat> their defense, I mean, just, just on paper, geez. Um, one, one concern I think is Derwin James may be hurt, uh, and it looks like it might be a, a little longer than uh, anticipated. But uh, their secondary is nasty. Starting with Derwin James, but then we got Casey Hayward on the outside as well. Those guys can cover. They can cover. Derwin James is a freak. Yeah. He's, uh, what they, they got him listed in hits. third right now because he's behind Adrian Phillips. But he's, uh, I think it's because he's hurt. Oh, maybe. Because um, Melvin Gordon's not even on this depth chart. On my depth chart, they've got Melvin Gordon, um, Still number one, even though he's clearly holding out. So, but Derwin James is an absolute freak, and he's all over the field. He was he was making plays. The interception, they move him up to the line. He could play linebacker because he's so big. So, uh, really great defense. They picked up one guy who I really love there, and I'm surprised the Panthers let him go. I know, yeah, at some point you got to let go of, of your veteran players, Thomas and, Davis. You know, but Thomas Davis, yeah, Thomas Davis is a leader on that uh, on that defense at linebacker. He's going to really help out. They've had some young guys playing linebacker. Melvin Ingram isn't that young, but um, he's still, you know, he probably learned a thing or two from Davis. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brandon Meebane, solid defensive tackle. He's one guy uh, that Joy I was Bosa. excited to get. To get, like I'm a Chargers fan. I'm not. But the Chargers should be excited to get because he eats up a lot of space inside. And that frees up a guy like Joey Bosa. Always liked him. Always like Brandon Meebane. I think his time in Seattle, he was a real force when they were when they were making those Super Bowls. So um, that's a good, solid, fast defense with athletes all over the field. They play a base four three, but you know, in this uh, in today's NFL, that means nothing. You know, absolutely. You, nothing. Most teams are nickel for first on first down, so it doesn't really matter anymore. But typically, they're you know four down linemen and three linebackers, and whew, that, you know, I, now that I'm talking about the Chargers, I really gave them no credit. I predicted they'd be eight and eight, but. What we can do, what we what we've done, unless you have anything to add to that uh, their defense, Brock. Um, no, I mean everybody. You know, I think that the Chargers, the overall theme this year is going to be injuries and health. You know, does Hunter Henry last the whole season and give them that like really athletic tight end um, look that they can use? Um, 
you know, does Gordon come back? Does do the running back stay healthy? Do the receiving the top receiver stay healthy? Keenan Allen being one who's injury prone, like the defense, like you said, their front line of their team can compete with just about anybody. It's going to be a matter of how do they manage that? How are the injuries? And, you know, and then if the, the backup's got to step in, how do they step in? But the depth, I don't see the Chargers being super de- deep, but they, on paper, have a team that can really scare some people. Yeah, that's my thought on the Chargers, too. It's <clears throat> they're, If their starters stay healthy, but we all know in the NFL, this, it's a long season. It's rare that you're healthy from start to finish. So they will suffer some injuries, and I don't think they'll be able to overcome that leaving them for me at around eight and eight. Now we'll see, you know, Brock, I'm simply going to name off the games. And again, we're going to do, we're going to do what we did last week. Just tick off yay or nay. And okay. uh, we'll see what we got. Okay. So do, again, do I think me. they're eight and eight. First week they play, they host Indianapolis. They win. W. They win. Okay. Second week they are at Detroit. Win. Host Houston. I'm going to say lose. At Miami. Win. I think we know. We both know how we feel about Miami this year. (laughs) Uh, Host Denver. Win. Host Pittsburgh. Lose. Easy now. Easy now. Atta boy. Uh, At Tennessee. Win. At Chicago. Lose. Host Green Bay. Lose. At Oakland. I'm going to say win. Host KC. Lose. At Denver. Uh, I have them losing. I'll have them win on the road. This is the point of the week right now. Uh, point of the year where I think these games will start meaning a whole lot and we'll see what kind of moxie the young kids have. They're at Jacksonville late in the season. Win. Mm. Uh, Hosting Minnesota. Lose. Host the Raiders. I'm going to say, I'm going to say lose. And lastly, at KC. Uh, five, six, seven, eight. I'm gonna go uh Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say win. I'm gonna say KC is gonna have a locked up right at that point and Chargers will be fighting for something and they'll they'll get him on the road. So I got nine wins. So just about right. Eight and eight, nine and seven. Let's go with your uh, nine and seven. Officially, we uh, book that. And uh, there you have it. Uh, uh, you know, a not a star-studded team by any means, but like Brock said, a defense that's going to fly around. If uh, Joey Bosa can live up to expectation, I know he, he's been inch-prone, a lot like his little brother. Um, we, we're just waiting to see these guys take that next TJ Watt level, you know. Um, haven't seen it yet. Glimpses. The one thing I can say about San Diego is they're going with the powder blues full time this year and they Love change their it. face mask to the gold. I mean, it's they're going to be beautiful to watch, but uh, 
There Man. you have it, folks. Your San Diego Superchargers. San Diego, I said it again. Everybody looks good when they get buried. <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> All right. We're going to come back. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. We're, that was more of the Dolphins, I don't, probably. Anyway. That was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, before we go to break, what's going on with the Dolphins? Kenny Stills is losing his mind over something Jay-Z said? or So what's going on with that? Did you read any of that? No, I didn't read any of that. What the hell's happening there? I can't comment on that, nor do I want to, nor do I follow any Miami Dolphins news in that sort of <laughs> okay. sense. The only news outside of the AFC West that I saw today was uh, Aaron Rodgers showing up in Winnipeg with the like 80s porn stash grown in perfectly, wearing a Canadian tuxedo, jeans on jeans on jeans, uh, walking into Winnipeg. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but it was amusing. Enjoy Winnipeg, pal. Enjoy it, yeah. In and out. All right, we'll be right back, and we're going to be uh, hitting the Broncos. But I'm on my break. Yes, we are back. Chargers are off. We're done. We are moving on to the Denver Broncos. Uh, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts here, Pep? That break music. It's not the same break music as we had last time, and I, I got to find the other one. I kind of like the other one better. I, I, you know, th- listen, man, I'm, uh, I kind of like what you just had going on there. It was, you know, it's, you know, it's, okay, okay. it's like N- it's NFL on Fox kind of, but with more of a rap sort of feel to it. Anyways, I got, I got a lovely. special rap for the end of the show too. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so the Denver Broncos pal. Yeah, buddy. Hmm. The orange, listen. one of the nicest uniforms in the league. If they were to go back to the, the old blue helmets there with the. Bronco coming through the D. Yes, yes, uh, yes, 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 yes. A hundred percent yes. Their uniform right now is the worst in the NFL with the Falcons. It's terrible. the The helmet's ugly. The, the I like the orange, but it doesn't make sense with a with a dark blue helmet and white pants. It's stupid. Look yeah. Back to that old D with an orange. Man, I'm with you a hundred percent. Don't get me started. All right, all right. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. Let's go. We're on the team. We got to talk about the actual right, football, sorry. not just the uniforms. I don't know how many times we talk about uniforms on this fucking thing that we should probably. <laughs> anyway, I got to tell you, B, this is my surprise team in the uh, in the AFC West there. Uh, I have them finishing. A- don't you just broke up, but don't uh, tell me ten- what it is. Don't tell me what it is. Don't don't tell you. Don't tell you what, what is. I don't want to know what they finished until I do my picks. Right. Because last right. time you told me it was 8-8, eight and eight, and I was like, uh, am I going? And if I had chosen the Chiefs to win the last one, it would have been 8-8. Eight eight, we would have agreed. That sucks. Nobody wants us to agree. So. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll, okay. I'll let you. I'll, I won't say what I think. But All right. I do think that they're going to, they're gonna, if not push for a wild card, push for the division. Why, you ask? Because I really, really like Joe Flacco. I've seen enough of him over the years to know that the guy has an arm and in the right system with good protection and a good running game, 
you know, and they've always had a good running game in, in Denver. It seems like they could put anybody in the backfield and they're running for a thousand. But Joe Flacco for me is going to, and they were, they were almost there last year with case friggin' Keenum, you know, Joe Flacco is next level. He's underrated. I know he's not mobile. I know he, you know, he's not the fastest guy, but he's got a cannon for an arm that hasn't changed. And that's what John Elway likes. He likes big, big throwers back there. So, you know, the question is, with the guys he's throwing to, you know, uh, Deshaun Hamilton, Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton's going to you know, have I, a very good year. Uh, you heard it here first. Yeah. Sanders is is going to be Sanders. They're going to use him a lot more. Oh, yeah. Just real quick. Uh, fuck John Elway. But anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you heard that here first as well. Yeah. I know uh, what kind of quarterbacks he likes, and it's not Tim Debo, and he doesn't want to give him a shot, and whatever. Anyway, uh, moving on. Well, I agree with you. Flacco is... Is good. Residuals there, folks. There's some residuals. Uh, oh, there will but, be know, some. Deshaun for a while. Hamilton, Tim Patrick, River, Craycraft. Who? Uh, God bless you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, Jake Butt. What's his? Uh, uh, he's a t- he's their starting tight end according to the depth chart. What do you? What can you tell us about Jake Butt? Not much. He's their starter. See, my depth chart's <laughs> a little bit different. But actually, who do you have? I got uh, Jeff Howerman. Did they, did they resign him? No, oh, they got him here, Ohio State. Um, but Jake Butts, that kid from Michigan, I think, right? If I do believe, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, it, you know, Florida played Michigan. Uh, Jake Butt was a very large part of their offense. Um, he's very athletic. Like he's one of those yeah, guys that will be along the lines of the the Travis Kelsey, the the Hunter Henrys. Um, you know, the late Aaron Hernandez. Is that weird? How do I even compare guys That's to warm. him? I should probably not use him anymore. Florida Gator alum, but murderers still nonetheless. Anyway. Hey, listen, it's a good comparison though. He's, he, Hernandez was very athletic. Oh, he was, you know, he was the most athletic tight end in the NFL at the time he was playing. Um, and Jake Butt falls into that category. I don't think he's quite at the Aaron Hernandez type level, but he can very easily be a Travis Kelsey kind of thing. So if they have him moved up, if your if your depth chart is more current than mine, um, which I don't think it is because mine was updated at six thirty two p.m. Eastern today, but <laughs> <laughs> but Jake, uh, I did see that is good. I saw Jeff Harriman uh, get re-signed. So he was, was he holding out? I don't, I don't know. Maybe they just extended his, his contract. So he's, it's good that he's back. He's a good security blanket for, uh, for Joe Flacco. So, you know, Cortland Sutton, I do, I do see being uh, maybe a break as a breakout player. Um, I saw a little bit of Tim Patrick last year. Um, what I do really like are the three guys that they could put in the backfield. Again, you talk about interchangeable backfields, uh, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, and Devontae Booker. Those guys can all run the ball and run the ball effectively and catch the ball from the, from the backfield. So, you know, Joe Flacco's security blanket takes a little bit of pressure off him. And, uh, you know, while these young receivers figure out the NFL, I do think all they need is a burner or two on offense to, to, to bust open, take the top off the, off the defense and they'll have some success because Flacco can out, flat out throw the deep ball. And uh, I, I think, is it a stop gap while the kid they drafted uh, Locke? I think was his last name. For uh, the, the quarterback there. Yeah. Yeah, Drew Locke. Drew yeah, Locke. Yeah. yeah, from Missouri. You mean he cl- 
they're they're clearly grooming him to be uh, to be the the starter in the next couple of years. But you know, that's I think Flacco is is an amazing one A option. You know, they could have gone with Keenum again and uh, and just sort of suffered through another seven and nine or a six and ten. But I think actually Flacco gives them legitimacy and. You know, the, mm-hmm. offensively, you know, look at their offensive line, Brock. You can name off some guys. Ronald Leary is a stud when he's healthy. The Broncos' O-line is generally very good. And it's been – that was one of those O-lines from back in the day that I remember basically revolutionizing the the run game. And they're the ones that, that fathered the, the zone-type runs with Terrell Davis. And the O-line was undersized. And so they just moved a lot better – and created holes as they were moving, which was what counteracted, counteracted a bigger defensive line. Um, so the Broncos, to me, is always a place I'll look and, and check and see how their offensive line does. Um, this year, they're, they're ranked 12th, is what they're predicted to be ranked. Uh, they added that right guard, Dalton Riser, um, which was a draft pick in the second round. Um, and he's yeah. kind of like a, a road grader, so he's like a... a He's going to help the run game immensely. Um, but they did lose uh, Matt Parity at center and Billy Turner, the right guard. Uh, they picked up uh, Jawan James from the Dolphins. You know, again, anybody from the Dolphins doesn't really scream talent, but uh, we'll see what he brings. Um, the biggest thing, though, from the offensive standpoint and the offensive line is that um, this new OC is sort of bringing a new offense, right? This... Uh, his name Rich uh, Scangarello. Scangarello. Yeah. Um, anyway, but all that being said, even though it's a new scheme, new whatever, one name that you'll recognize that uh, Mike Munchak is uh, going to be helping out with their O line, I guess. So he's an old uh, Steeler, right? Well, and you know, he's uh, a lot of the guys credit their success to him, uh, his time in Pittsburgh. And speaking of time in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, I think the one player who, now that he, I think by all accounts, he's healthy, he's back. He's, he was Antonio Brown's counterpart for a few years in, in uh, Pittsburgh. They actually had to make a decision who they want to keep. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders back healthy. Uh, he could be, he is a game changer and he, he gave them his health, his clean bill of health gave them a reason to not resign or go ahead and trade Demarius Thomas. Thomas last year. So, um, you know, and then we're looking at, they all, I've, I forgot this. They drafted no offense, another excellent tight end. So you, you've got you've, the aforementioned Jeff Herman, uh, no offense and Jake, Butt. I mean, that's, you know, you play three tight ends. You can, you can throw no offense out, split them wide. You know, there's some things you could do there. Plus their three running backs. Listen, Brock, I, I like this team. I like this team a lot. And, uh, they are my they are my sleeper. I won't give you the record quite yet because we haven't touched on their defense. But I really like what they were going to be able to do on offense. Uh, Vic Fangio, veteran head coach. Um, they went ahead. They fired Vance Joseph and saw Vic Fangio. Some questions there as to like you know, are we taking a step back? What do you know about Vic Fangio? Uh, very little, to be honest. I don't know enough of you him know, to I, even uh, like really get into it with them like a career coordinator at an older age would that does that say something to you like if if a guy is let's 
and a Vic Fangio, I, I don't know how old he is. I think he's certainly he's over 55, 60. He's been a career coordinator. Um, when you go ahead and sign a career coordinator, uh, his first time head coaching gig, is there a reason he hasn't had a head coaching job up until now? Well, that's those are the questions. Like he's 60 years old. Okay. So how does he come into that role in the head coaching position this late in the game? Um, those are questions, like you said, maybe there was something. Why hasn't he been before? Maybe it just wasn't the right time. There wasn't the right fit. Didn't feel comfortable doing sure. it. Who knows? But there's also, you know, I'm seeing a lot of when you look at uh, the head coaches now in the NFL, a lot of them, they're coming in, they're younger. There's a bit more of a, um, I guess the new age player, you got to be able to relate to them a lot. Um, and it's tough, I think, for a 60-year-old to do that. I, I picture him being a bit more old school. Um, and I guess that's going to, we're going to see whether or not that plays well within the Broncos locker room. Um, so they may be your breakout team or your surprise. I think for me, uh, I was watching their, uh, their preseason one against San Francisco. I think it was defensively, uh, between Chubb and, and Miller. I think those guys are going to be creating a havoc. So I think their defense is going to be fairly solid. I know Von Miller is trying to get, um, whatever the all-time sack record is. So he's got to average something like 20 a season or something like that, which he feels like he can do. And especially if he has somebody on the other side um, taking some attention away from him, then he feels like he can kind of get in there. But on paper, again, the Broncos have a lot of really good pieces. You brought up Noah Fant. Noah Fant was one of those two Iowa tight ends that got picked up. He's... More finessey than uh, um, TJ, the one who's with the with the Detroit. Kid from Detroit, yeah. And uh, but they're both phenomenal. So their tight end game should be good. I would be surprised if I, if we don't see them run something similar to the way the Patriots ran with the Gronk and Hernandez. Um, what you can do with two guys like that um, is, is actually really scary from a, a defensive standpoint because you got two extra guys in there that are either extra run blockers, legit run blockers, or they're pass threats. So it's uh, you can be very creative with it and I think exploit a lot of things on defenses. But from a Broncos overall, I think now whatever, we'll go through the records, but I think it's going to take a little while for them to to grasp their offense, the scheme, um, and it's, it's really going to see how everything gels together because there's some some uncertainties there. Unlike the Chargers have the same system. They're just reloading and, you know, another year in that system, they should be a lot better at executing. The Broncos are learning all this, so it'll be interesting. But Flacco's a guy who can you talk about bring them. Yeah, I, and you talk about scheme. Uh, you know, Flacco is you – know, you know, very familiar with a couple of tight ends and, you know, a, a bruising running game. And like he played, you play in Baltimore, you know, it's defense, run the ball. And, you know, we talk about uh, the RPO, you know, they're not going to be running that with Flacco, obviously, but <clears throat> certainly a heavy dose of run game and a heavy dose of, three tight that looked pretty familiar last year in Baltimore if you recall and the only difference was that Lamar Jackson had that run option but 
he's familiar with this type of system. So I think Flacco is going to be fine transitioning to this personnel group. Um, again, he's a guy with yep. a huge arm. And Emmanuel Sanders healthy. Uh, you got some threats on the outside. They're going to open it up, man. I'm telling you, they're going to surprise. They may not surprise teams in their own division because they got to play everybody twice. But they are going to sh- they're going to shock some teams with when uh, when it's all said and done. I see them being a wild card team. You know, we haven't talked about the Chiefs quite yet. I think the Chiefs will win that division, but um, who knows, man? Who knows? You know, these guys, these teams hate each other, and they they know a lot about each other and. We'll see what happens, but uh, we, we didn't talk too much about their defense. I, there are a lot of new faces on that D that I don't even recognize. Um, it's quite the defense, Brock. You, you mentioned uh, a couple of names that people would be familiar with. Certainly uh, Vaughn Miller. Um, yeah, yeah there's, I mean, a, there's a lot of new faces on that defense. Getting a, a Bryce Callahan from Chicago and guys like Kareem Jackson from Houston. Um uh, even uh, Todd Davis, that inside linebacker there from New Orleans. Uh, there's some upgrades, to say the least, and some extra depth guys. Guys that will create competition inside the locker room and in, on, uh, in practice, which is just going to make guys work a little bit harder. Um, but uh, these, you know, there may not be household names yet, but as the season goes, you're going to see these guys really step up. But I think, you know, that's the, the biggest thing is is going to surprise a lot of people um, with the way they've sort of formed this defense. But um, watching them the other night there against San Francisco, the guys, you're just going to see, like I could see Von Miller like foaming at the mouth because, yeah, oh yeah, you know, with Chubb on the other side and with those big guys on the inside, uh, Shelby Harris, like he's just, he can feel that, fresh air and that isolation on tight end tackle at most. And I think he's just going to eat that up. A lot of their secondary is going to look really good because the fact that quarterbacks are going to be throwing off their back foot yeah, or um, throwing just to save their lives. Yeah. There, Chris Harris, another mainstay from last year too. Uh, Derek Wolf, Adam Gotsis guys are, these guys are legit, legit players. So yeah, of course you got Bradley Chubb and uh, Von Miller's like uh, uh, running up the gap. How about maybe the maybe the best name in all of football, Josie Jewell? All right, he can be a contender, yeah, uh, Josie Jewell, inside linebacker. Yeah, Josie Jewell, what a great name! But um, defense will be flying, and you know, defense has been a, a, a staple in uh, the Broncos system for years. They've always had quick, fast guy. DeMarcus Ware is no longer there, but, you know, I really think Bradley Chubb's ready to step up. So we'll see how it goes. They, you know, they kick a lot of field goals. Uh, the air's thin up in uh, in Denver. And Brandon McManus might be the best kicker in the NFL. I'd say the uh, the kid in uh, kid in Baltimore would be one, and Jason Brandon McManus Tucker. would be 1A. So Justin Tucker, yeah, he's – he, he doesn't miss. Yeah, but no, uh, Brandon McManus is uh, is a phenomenal kicker, and uh, you know, in that in that thin air up in Denver, you know, it could be fourth and nine from the forty five, and he's kicking a sixty yard field goal to end the half. So, like this guy, these guys can really uh, can really do it on the uh, on the special teams. So, I just like to t- I'm I'm talking special teams here. That's how much I like 
the Broncos is ridiculous. I uh, I really think that they're going to surprise some people this year. So let's go. Let's quickly go over their schedule, Brock. Unless you have <clears> anything <throat> else you want to add. No, let's do it. And I, I will not reveal what I think their record is going to be. I'll just let you, and uh, then we'll, we can compare. Sounds right? good. Right. Just going to pull up their. Maybe can you give us some uh, Jeopardy music here while I uh, look up their schedule. Well, I'm just going to make a comment on the Joe on Flacco screen. thing. You talked about Joe Flacco being a, a what'd you call him a gap filler? Well, sort of a. I mean, yeah. While they while they while they groom the kid. I don't know what his contract is, but when I look at quarterbacks, and I think if you're if you're going to invest in um, a young quarterback and want him to develop like a Drew Locke. You got to look at a situation like the Green Bay Packers and the way they did with Favre and Rodgers. Like Rodgers was pretty highly touted coming out, you know, so there was initially that like, oh, when's he going to step in? And then it was, I don't know, it felt like an eternity, but it was two or three years at least before the reins were turned over to him. But he got a chance to learn and develop under one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And, you know, am I putting Flacco with one of the best quarterbacks of all time? You know, not yet. But I think he's he's a smart guy. He's starting to understand offenses. Um, he understands how to read defenses. Um, and I think that he's a very good mentor for Drew Locke moving forward over the next year or so. So I think that's, you know, it's a decent little setup for them if that's what, if they feel like Locke's going to be the guy moving forward. Did I give you enough time to get the schedule? I got the schedule. Uh, right. I agree with you on on every level. I do. I just think that I mean, if they Flacco won the Super Bowl not not four or five years ago, and uh, he he's got the pedigree, and he's still young enough that he he can make a difference in in the league still. So I don't think he's ready to relinquish his number one spot quite yet. But you know, no, um, cl- clearly it didn't work last year uh, when he was put in a role to sort of mentor Lamar Jackson. I don't think he was really comfortable with that you could his body language on the sideline was was not great when uh, Lamar Jackson went in and uh and, and Lamar Jackson did a great job by the way like I you know I think it was the right decision they, they, they just said look we're gonna go with this system it's working for us and made Joe Flacco expendable because he's not RPO in anything so anyways off with the schedule here we go Broncos at Raiders uh lose Bears at Broncos Lose. Broncos Packers. At Packers? Yes. Fast. Lose. Jaguars at Broncos. Win. Broncos at Chargers. Win. Titans at Broncos. Win. Chiefs at Broncos, 8 o'clock game. Lose. Broncos at Colts. Lose. Browns at Broncos. Lose. Broncos at Vikings. Oh, man. These are hard to pick, some of these things. I'm going to say... Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. uh, Okay, I'll shock. I like upsets on the road, so I'm going to say... They win that one. Okay. Broncos at Bills. Lose. Chargers at Broncos. Win. 
Broncos at Texans. Although I think I said last time the Chargers were going to lose that game. Uh, what was it? Broncos at? Texans. I'll say they win. Broncos at Chiefs. I don't think they're ready to beat the Chiefs twice in a season. Lions at Broncos. Win. And then the end of the season, they host the Raiders. I'll say they win that one. I got eight. So I got an eight uh, and eight. Eight and eight, okay. I, I'm g- giving them, I'm, again, it's going to uh, surprise people. I'm, I think they're going to finish 10 and six. Really, eh? I, they're they're my one surprise team of the season. Them, I don't. I'd say the Bills too, but I don't think it's a surprise. I think everyone, some of the, spe, the specialists are are picking the Bills to have a good year. But I think Denver's going to stay under the radar. They're going to be well coached and they're going to win some games. And uh, ten and six is what I have them going. So I think the Chiefs are going to take a step back this year. But there's our there's our Denver Broncos analysis. You have anything else to add, B boy? Nope, that's it. I'm just looking at my X's and checks, and it seems they go 0-3 to begin with, and they go 3-3. and So they start to get a little stronger as the season goes. Who knows? As they start picking up that system and getting a bit more comfortable, they might start uh, doing that. But yeah. I think 10-6 and 6 is a stretch, but we have it on record now, so if you happen to be right, then you stay on the show for another year. Amazing. <laughs> All, right. All right. We're going to come well, back with the two fun why teams. Why don't we take a quick break and... Uh... Done. Come back with uh, Kansas City. But I'm on my break. <laughs> oh, we are back. Uh, this wrong is with that music. Brock and the Pierre doing the robot on the other wow. end, which was uh, well worth the 10 seconds of music. That we have chosen for our breaks. Chargers are down. Broncos are down. Who's next? Normally, we would go with the Raiders and finish with the Chiefs. Realistically speaking, that's how everybody thinks it's going to go. But we have a guest on for the Raiders section who's listening in right now. Won't tell you who it is just yet. Uh, But that's why we're saving the Raiders for the end. Huge Raider fan. Uh, so we're going to get his take on the old uh, black and silver and the fiasco sideshow that are the Raiders right now um, and their hard knock show and their star player holding up for helmets. Anyway, yada, yada, that's coming up. The Kansas City Chiefs are next on the docket. Where are we going, Pep? Well, where are we going? We're going with one of the, if not the most dynamic quarterback in the nfl he brings the term rpo to a whole new level i mean the guy can the guy can do it all i've never seen a i've never seen a quarterback do a no look throw oh. he's 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 remarkable he could throw with his left and his right like he's he's t- and it clearly it's not i mean if you're able to throw with your left hand as a quarterback nope it's he's never going to use it but like it just goes to show how much of an athlete he is and how fast he is and he's uh, he, how fast he's picked up the nfl game really playing back up for one year so you know it all again no it's not this- ryan leaf people it is patrick <laughs> mahomes <laughs> it what they're just loaded they're loaded all over the place um 
offensively, their offensive line is is still, you know, what, what were they ranked? Their offensive line? Their offensive line yeah. is actually ranked uh, just below the Broncos and Chargers. They're preseason okay. ranked 14. Now, uh, you know, they got Eric Fisher, pro bowler. Um, they lost uh, center Mitch Morse, who's with Buffalo now. Right. Um, they extended uh, Mitchell Schwartz, had his contract extended. Um, but uh, so they've replaced Morse with uh, Austin Reeder, um, who's been signed off of waivers last year. And even though this write up says, quote, both guards, Cameron Irving and Laurent Duvernay Tardif. Dr. Laurent Duvernay Tardif, <laughs> the Canadian from Miguel, are nothing special. Um, I think they're pretty good, too. So oh, I, yeah. I was pretty surprised that they were ranked at 14. But then again, does it matter? If you have a 14th ranked offensive line, but you have a quarterback who will not take a sack, I think they're okay. And that's it, eh? And that's it. That's right there. You just said it all. You know, and they've got a great blocking fullback who uh, isn't in a ton of their <clears throat> uh, packages, but, you know, he's an option out there to, to as a, almost a second tight end. Speaking of tight end, one of the best tight ends in the, in the NFL, <laughs> Travis Kelsey, yep. who, I, who I can't stand only because I just, I just can't stand his personality on the field. He's actually cost him a few majors last year. But uh, let, me, great- let me ask you about that. Do you not like him because you watched a show called Catching Kelsey? I did never. I would did not watch that show. I likely will never watch that show. I don't like him because I don't like players who cost their team unnecessary yardage um, simply because they got to make a point. How's that Joey Porter jersey show up a guy? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> Freaking peasy, baby. We got a Super Bowl with PC, man. Don't easy now. Hey, you can't. If you got a, a bone to pick with a style of player, it doesn't matter if he wins or loses the Super Bowl. That's that style Beasy's of player. peasy has got some jewelry, my friends. <sighs> I, look, I, I've never been a fan of that. I, I don't like it with the Steelers when Brown would get a, a first down and drop the ball or or get get into a jarring match with somebody when it's really unnecessary. Like, you, you got a first down. You're expected to get a first down. That's your job. So get to the friggin' huddle and he, he cost him and Andy Reed was, was not shy to point that out last year that, you know, we got to play with more discipline. And we, when you look at it I mean, and look at their offense, their, their guys are loaded with talent and, and good quality character guys. I'm not saying he's not a, he's not a quality character guy, but on the field, he just cost them unnecessary and it's going to hurt them one day. But anyway, loaded, you know, Sammy Watkins is the jury still out with this guy, you know, his time in Buffalo, not so great. He, he goes to, to Kansas City, a team that was already loaded with talent and was very successful, you know, as as a third option. So he's he's moved up the depth chart, though. Now he's playing alongside Tyreek Hill. I think Tyreek Hill arguably is still the number one option on that team right now. Um, but where does Sammy Watkins fit in terms of is he going to have a productive year? Is going to be is he going to catch 50? Is he going to catch 30? Can he stay healthy? Well, that's the question. He's uh, notorious for a foot, I think, an injury. He had injury and his foot, had surgery or something. It kept being re-aggravated. So a foot injury in a receiver is going to affect your speed, your cutting. It's going to affect everything. So if that 
happens to flare up or show its head again, then Watkins will be sidelined and you will never hear from him again. Um, but I think Watkins is a, he's proven himself to be a suitable second or third look on an offense. And he's the second receiver here, but really he'll be the third look easy behind, uh, Hill and Kelsey. Um, so I think, uh, all he has to do is, is take advantage of what's given to him. And if he can do that and the the chiefs can do it and Andy Reid's going to be his, uh, his offense is going to be prepared for all that kind of stuff. And I think they'll, they'll do just that because I mean, Mahomes is that guy who can just run around the back, create some time. And all of a sudden from his knee, he's going to launch a 70 yard ball and Watkins is going to be wide open downfield. So it's a, he's going to do fine. Is he a keeper? James kept him this year. No, he's not a keeper. He's not a keeper. No, No. I, I, uh, I look at their team though, and I, you know, Hill's coming off of what you, I mean, we could all agree a very controversial off season. Yeah, uh, he's One, not suspended at all, right? Hey, it's just surprised that he that he's not suspended at all. Surprised that the Chiefs didn't make a point of maybe suspending him for a couple of games internally when the NFL decided to hold the phone there. But Tyreek Hill, all he did was was beat his kid, right? He didn't smoke marijuana. I believe that was the case. Yes. Okay, so that's why the NFL chose not to discipline him because it wasn't uh, uh, an herbal. Uh, no. No, it was it anyway. was purely domestic. Uh, they made did they not suspend Adrian Peterson for his domestic? I want to say yes, um, but I'd have to go back and check that. And for those who are listening and whatever, obviously there's a a very thick layer of sarcasm on there because of the fact that I find the NFL punishes players for smoking marijuana at a degree that is above incidences that I would believe the public would view as being a lot more detrimental to the league, to society, to other people. And they, they brush it off anyway. Um, you know, that's a a whole other episode and we can, you know, I would actually love to discuss that with somebody sometime and really isolate those uh, incidences and, and what the resulting suspensions were. But that being said, Tyreek Hill is not suspended after all said and done. So, um, as a football player and as a part of this offense, uh, he's the number one read for Mahomes, uh, and that read is from forty yards plus downfield. Very dynamic, you know. Very dynamic. You can put him anywhere, really, and he could he can actually play in the backfield. The end around is is uh, is for most teams like. You don't anticipate a whole ton with the end around uh, other than a different look, but Tyreek can take an end around to the house. Um, my question with Tyreek is this, will, will there be a distraction? Will he be a distraction? Will, if anything more comes out of this story and, and it w- but for all intents and purposes, it looks like the case is closed, but mm. will this linger into the season? They can't afford to lose him. They can't afford to lose Kelsey because they don't have a Lamar hunt to um kareem hunt kareem Jesus, hunt, lamar, like lamar hunt lamar hunt is like the is that the actor from, oh lamar he's hunt. dead <laughs> he's even dead yeah kareem hunt kareem hunt. Um, 
So they don't have Kareem Hunt as that third super stud. And I, and I, I want to make this crystal clear. And people talk about Damian Williams coming in and stepping in last year. Yeah, sure. Did they, did they miss a beat with him? No. But he's not Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt is a special, special running back. Top three before he got suspended. You know, they were talking with uh, about Kareem Hunt in the same conversation as Todd Gurley last year. You know, big numbers, big playmaking ability. Damian Williams doesn't have that big play ability. Is he, a, is he an adequate running back? Absolutely. He hits the holes. He makes that one cut and he goes. But I think Kareem Hunt is going to improve the Cleveland Browns like to the point where they're going to be a real team to beat when he's there with Odell Beckham and with Landry and, and obviously Baker Mayfield. So well, I, I don't want to talk about the, the Browns. Of- they're going to be like that backfield is going to be pretty crowded with Nick Chubb already. Like they're going to, anyway, we're getting off into a different I, you know, I, thing, but I think that that hunt Chubb thing is going to be interesting, but I was going to ask you on the Damian Williams and see what you thought of him. So do you think, Okay, he's not Kareem uh, Kareem Hunt, but is he going to be effective enough? Is he going to be uh, the starter for the whole season? Is Carlos Hyde going to have a rejuvenated second life here with uh, with Kansas City and maybe be able to take no, the, the role or what? No, no, I, I actually think those two guys will run for six or seven hundred yards apiece and do it by committee, and they will lack that big play ability from their running back that they had with Kareem Hunt. Again, I'm, I'm splitting hairs. These are two above average running backs, namely Williams because of how well he played last year, but teams, teams now have the book on him, right? It's some of these guys can come in. Like I look at even Pittsburgh, you know, the year that uh, Le'Veon Bell got hurt right before the playoffs, they ended up putting in a, a kid off their practice roster and he ran for, you know, for uh, Toussaint, I think it was his last name. He came in and ran for almost a hundred yards in a playoff game. Is he Tony Dorsett? No, but nobody had any, any film on him. So you don't know what to expect. So I, I really think that now teams are going to, are going to key on Damian Williams. They're going to figure out how his running style, where, what he likes to do and what gap he likes to run up. And, and that's that. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think he's, he's that dynamic a player. So it all starts with the, with, um, with Patrick Mahomes for me and Tyree kill, and they can ill afford to lose one or both of those guys. Otherwise you, we're looking at like a potentially 13 win team to a five win team. And I, I say that in all seriousness, I think this team is on the cusp of greatness or complete collapse. And Andy Reed has the history of, you know, taking his team just to the, just to the brink of a Super Bowl championship and then shit in the bed. So I hope for Andy Reid because he's one of the good guys in football that that his team makes continues to make progress. And with Patrick Mahomes, it's going to be really hard for them to take a step back. I think they're going to take a step forward. But, um, you know, they, they can ill afford to lose Tyreek Hill or Kelsey to injuries. So, again, we're talking about depth. Eh? I feel like depth is a big thing this year in the AFC West. None of these teams can afford to lose any guys offensively. Yeah, it's really going to be sort of the attrition that comes yeah. with those teams and how they deal with it. So I think it's, you know, where that comes from or comes down to other than freak injuries that happen on the field and stuff, it's going to be the management from a head coaching standpoint on how he manages his team, keeps them focused, competitive, but keeps them healthy, rested and fresh for the whole season. And that's where 
we're going to see that's going to make a break. So those yeah. head coaches in this division are going to need to be on the ball for that. And we're going to see which ones do it and which ones don't. And that's where I think, um, you know, a guy who's 60 years old might have a harder time in under, I don't want to say understanding, but um, relating to his players and really understanding where they are in terms of their bodies and their, their mindset for the season um, which may come back and uh, bite them in the butt a little bit. Oh, you know what? I uh, That's such a great point. And I look at a guy like Vic Fangio. He kind of reminds me of Bruce Arians of a long time, never got his head, head coaching opportunity till later in life. Um, but when he did get that opportunity, I think from being a coordinator for so long, and you know, when you're a coordinator, you tend to be the guy that players go to first when they have something to talk about. Or um, maybe Van- Vic Fangio's experience... Um, will lend to, you know, his players, him understanding his players more than an older coach. But I, I totally, you, you're, you, you nailed it. Like can these younger coaches understand it? And I think Andy Reed gets it when it comes to attrition. I think he's, he's lived through a couple of late in, late season injuries with Donovan McNabb and his time in, uh, in Philadelphia. So I think he gets the importance of keeping boys healthy uh, uh, as the season progresses. And, you know, um, and he makes the right play calls too. He doesn't put guys in situations where they're going to get hurt. He's a he's a smart coach. He's one of my top five coaches in the NFL. So they have a, certainly the coaching to take them to where they have to be. But um, okay, offensively, look, we know what they're going to be. If they're all healthy, they're going to be uh, you know uh, basically the Harlem Globetrotters. But I, I want to talk about their defense. Chris Jones, their defensive tackle, for me, is maybe as close to Aaron Donald as you're going to find in the NFL. He's probably my, my second best defensive tackle in the NFL behind Aaron Donald. So you talk about a, a, a stalwart in the middle. Mm. He's your guy. He is your guy. He'll disrupt everything for everybody. So that's a good way, good place to start. And then I look at Teron Matthew. Can he come back from injury? He's had some pretty, pretty awful injuries throughout his career. Yes. Is he going to be the player he was in Arizona? And then I look at the rest of the roster on defense, Brock, and you're going to have to help me out because I, I don't see a whole lot of uh, Alex Okafor. You know, he's replacing some a couple of guys that they lost uh, through retirement and through free agency. Yeah. Frank Clark, I think, is a good pickup from Seattle. Fast, fast end, fast wide. Uh, he can play a little bit of um, a little bit outside linebacker too, but. Reggie Ragland. Hitchens, Reggie Ragland. Are these guys going to take you to the to the promised land on defense? Like, what are we looking at here? You know, I got to say, in the Kansas City Chiefs team and the way their mentality is, I think their best defense is a very good offense. And I think it's going to be a matter of them, you know, they're going to be in – shootouts for some of these these uh these games they're going to be playing and i think it's going to come down to the offense just keep scoring and then you know it only takes one or two stops from a defense to solidify a game because their offense should be very explosive um but that being said i mean their uh steve spagnolo is the defensive coordinator and he's very good he is very good so he's going to be able to put people in places to make plays and I think that their their defenses are creative enough to um to give opponents a little bit of a different look and really kind of keep them guessing. And it's gonna come down to, you know, how well he manages the defense in terms of the offenses, their their opponents' weaknesses and trying to exploit them. 
um, which, I mean, nobody does that better than Belichick. You know, his lineup is never star-studded, but what he does better than anybody is he he preys on the opponent's vulnerabilities and exploits them. And I think uh, Spagnuolo's right up there in terms of defensive coordinator, so he'll bring them all together. But I think the, the strongest thing for this defense is that they're going to be they're never going to be gassed on the field because uh, a three and out from their offense is going to be far and few between, I think. So they should be well rested. Um, and, but when they get out there, they can, they can perform. They just got to kind of hold the fort. They're not expected to win the games. Um, so I think, uh, I think they'll be fine, but the, the best thing for them is going to be the offense. So bend but don't break. Essentially, I, I and I can appreciate that. Look, I'm not saying they don't have they don't have talent. I mean, you know, Bashad Breeland is a is a bona fide NFL cornerback. Um, you know, Kendall Fuller, Daniel Sorensen's been there for a couple of years. He knows the system, um, but uh, it, nothing out on this on this depth chart that I have in front of me here, aside from Chris Jones. Uh, knocks me out and I look last year they look at uh, they, they lost Justin Houston they lost D Ford who I think is a really really good player you know he had a couple of really bad penalties against the Patriots that cost them the game actually but um, really really good talents that they've lost and they lost um, their heart and soul at safety um, who unfortunately had to you know I, I think they had to cut ties if I'm not mistaken he had a battle with cancer. Yeah. Was um, it an illness that forced him out or what? Why isn't he? Uh... I think they just, I think his contract was up, but they didn't resign him. So he, okay. he may have signed with somebody else, but Brock, his name slips my mind right now. Eric Berry. Eric Berry. W- r- class act. Um, didn't get the chance to really see the field last year and a half, but you know, they've replaced him essentially with Teron Matthews. So, um, but they also w- we'll drafted, see how this goes, you know, uh, Juwan Thornhill out of Virginia. Uh, I think he was first or second round Free safety. He's a safety. He's like six foot, 210 or something like that. Very good. Flies around the ball. So I think he was brought in to um, fill that gap uh, with Matthews of his injuries kind of up and down, learn from him. And the same with Watkins. Um, what's that receiver from Georgia? Nicole Hardman? Nicole? Nicole? Anyway, it's like Nicole, but it's not. And I may be pronouncing it completely wrong. Me, and It's with an M? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he's from Georgia, and as a Gator fan, obviously I've seen a bunch of the Georgia games, and uh, he's a playmaker for sure. So I think he's probably in line to push Watkins moving forward, um, which will benefit them one way or the other. Either it's going to push Watkins right out, and he's going to emerge as the starter, or it's going to push Watkins to elevate his play and really be on the ball and um, – you know, fighting to keep his position, his spot on the team. So um, anyway, those two guys were were very good pickups for them, I thought. Yeah. Uh, and I'm excited to see what they do. But there's, those were needs that were addressed, and uh, they didn't waste any time picking those guys up. So you know, it'll be interesting. And I, like, I like the fact that they have they still have Demarcus Robinson, who's been there for a couple of years, uh, Florida guy, actually. And he's young. He's only 24. You know, he had 20-plus uh, catches last, 22 catches last year. You know, but that's it's a good option. Another weapon on the field. He's got some. He's got some speed and decent size. A six one. So, you know, he's good. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I, again, it's it's going to be the war of attrition and depth 
for this AFC West. It could go topsy-turvy with one of these teams suffering uh, major injuries. And I think, you know, if we look at every every uh, division in the NFL, I think we could probably say that about every team and every, every conference. But more so this year, I find, in the AFC West. And none of these teams could afford to get None of these teams we've covered anyways can afford to have an injury. Now, the last team we'll talk about, we'll, we'll see if that rings true. But um, anyway, why don't we uh, have a quick look at their schedule? And uh, I, I'll i be honest with the, with the listeners, I don't have a feel for this team. I don't even have a prediction. Um, this would be that, Brock, when you name off the schedule, this will be the first time I'm hearing the game. So I, I don't know if they're going to go 10-6, and 6-10, six, six and 13-3. and three. Well, I guess we'll see. So why don't we I go guess. through the games and I'll give you my quick yays or nays. Sounds good. Week one at... Jacksonville. Loss. Are you marking your own down? Because I'm going to mark mine down. I'm, I'm not a, taking uh, yours. I'm going to mark them down, yeah. A loss. Wow. All right. Yeah. Uh, at the at, Raiders. Said at, at I said at Jacksonville. I don't think yeah. that matters, but sure. I'll, yeah. uh, yes. At the Raiders. Win. Uh, Ravens at Kansas City. Loss. I gotta make sure I'm not just writing your score and doing. I gotta think for myself. <laughs> at Detroit, win. When we start doing Detroit, I don't really don't think Detroit's got a lot of wins coming up. Anyway, uh, home to the Colts, win. Uh, Texans at home, win. Chiefs at the Broncos, loss. Mm, Packers at Kansas City. Oof. I like the Packers this year. I'm going to go with a win, uh, with the loss, sorry. And the very next week is Minnesota in Kansas City. Nah, that's a W. Win. Uh, at Tennessee. Uh, that's, a, that's a tough game. That, you know, that's, you talk about your sneaker games, uh, your road games where yeah. you maybe come in thinking you're, you're better than this. I'm going to go lost. That's it. That's it. Mike Vrabel's a very good coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with a loss. Um, home to Oakland. Win. Uh, at the Patriots. Loss. That's late in the season too. Uh, yeah. Broncos at home. They're hosting the Broncos. Hosting the Broncos. That's a win. At Chicago. Loss. And then uh, the Chargers at the Chiefs, which I remember what my last... Uh, I'll go. I'll give them a W. Fuck. Is that, this, is that it? That's it. What did you get? Five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, me too. Eight and eight. I mean, that's... Again, that is without injuries so you know this could be six and ten easy if one of those top three guys go down i mean i don't know you know mahomes is mahomes he can he run for a thousand yards himself like i don't know i i don't i don't i don't have a feel for this team i it's one of those teams where i really think losing kareem hunt is going to cost him and kareem hunt he was let go because of some other ordeal too right am i wrong he's suspended yeah suspended for what suspended you remember you know what? Why don't we do, why don't we take a break and when we right. come back with Ivan? We could just quickly mention that before we bring him on. Uh, yeah, I, got, I can't remember what it was. It was something that was disrespectful too. Anyway, we will be right back. But I'm on my break. Yeah. 
All right, we are back. We have covered the Chargers. We've covered the Broncos. We've covered the Chiefs. Now, it's come to my attention that uh, I missed a game when uh, Pep and I were going through the Chiefs schedule. I missed the one after the bye week, so we were talking about the Chiefs at the Titans. But the week after was the Chargers, or was at, the Chiefs were at the Chargers, and Pep has decided that that is a win. So Pierre has predicted that it was a 9-7 and seven record for the Chiefs. I'm still sticking with 8-8. Eight and eight. I guess I gave them a loss on that one, or I'd already figured that one out. Anyway, done. Chiefs done. What was the uh, Kareem Hunt thing, Pep? Uh, <clears throat> oh, yeah. It was a fight. He got a fight. There was some domestic abuse, or he fought. He got in a fight, and I think he was. there's video of him beating uh, a woman, like kicking her when yeah. she was down a couple times. Was- and. There was a melee in the lobby, and it looked like he was struck, but then he went apeshit and just started wailing on on uh, somebody who, I, I, I guess it was his ex-girlfriend at the time, or girlfriend, but they were breaking up. Or Anyway, it was, a, it was something domestic. Um, you know, it wasn't a pretty look, and I think what got him suspended as long as he got suspended for was the fact that he lied about it all. Um, he was caught lying to police. So that was re- that really exacerbated the situation where I think if he would have... When you watch the video, it's very it's a little unclear as to who instigated what, and there's no audio. So you don't know if someone hit him or yelled at him. or you never. There's no excuse to hit anybody, a, a woman, man, whatever, just right. because someone calls you a name. But um, I think he wouldn't have been suspended for as long as he, he was if he didn't lie to police about what happened. So um, that really got him got him into some hot water. And obviously the NFL, uh, you know, trying to trying to look as good as they can will side on the on the uh, uh, law enforcement side and, and, you know, make a point that, hey, you can't lie to law enforcement. We're going to suspend you another seven or eight games or whatever it was. So um, that's what it was. Speaking of arrests, uh, this has nothing to do with the Chiefs or the Raiders or the Broncos or the Chargers, but uh, kind of a sad story um, coming out of uh, Houston. Mario Williams, former stud hybrid Defensive linebacker for the Texans. Pardon me? Number one overall pick. Yeah, uh, yeah. Played, I think, his last year with the Bills. Was arrested today for uh, trespassing his ex- on his ex-girlfriend's property. Uh, apparently there was an intense standoff with his baby's mama and, uh, he was arrested, uh, today and, uh, subsequently will undergo mental health evaluation following this arrest today. So, you know, uh, hopefully nobody was hurt and, um, hopefully he gets the help he needs. Uh, you never like to hear these stories so quickly out after football, you know, like it's, it's sad to hear it when you're playing, certainly when you retire, life can take a real funny turn for these guys, you know, and they're, they're stuck not knowing what to do. And, you know, suddenly you're, you went from being a star to, you know, just another guy in the street. So um, I hope he gets the help he needs. Um, yeah, shitty. Do you think that has anything to do or any preempt with terms of like uh, CTE type stuff? Like that kind of ballpark? You know, when guys like that start going... Um, you don't want to say crazy, but they start acting erratically and irrationally. That's a you know that's a it's a tough question. I mean, can can CTE exacerbate 
feelings of jealousy? Like, can can you can you become essentially more jealous if you suffer from a debilitating disease like CTE? Like, you know, there's video of him allegedly sneaking into his ex's apartment. So, is that related to something that's causing your brain to short circuit, or is it just being jealous or being nuts or but like it's, I, I don't know, I don't know. I I, I mean, it could it probably can't help. Definitely can't help. And I mean, yeah, so. uh, yeah no, it's going to be. Uh, I, I, whatever. I'm not a doctor, but all that stuff concerns me. Um, you know, I've had concussions, you've had concussions and, uh, you know, they're just, if it screws with your head at all, then all those little feelings may be, you know, emphasized. Um, you know, you're not thinking clearly. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it had something to do with that, but you know, either way, you know, our, our thoughts go out to to him and his, his ex and that whole scenario. Um, and hopefully, yeah, he gets the help he needs. One of my uh, one of my childhood heroes who ended his career, oddly enough, in Kansas City. Um, I, I, it breaks my heart to tell the story. Um, I think everybody knows the story, so I really don't have to really tell it. But it breaks my heart to rehash knowing he ended his life in such a such a sad way and it's the story of Mike Webster um Pittsburgh Steelers Hall of Fame center who uh is the poster child for CTE a movie was made about him you know we talk about his Hall of Fame speech was sad incoherent yeah there were a lot of rumors that, you know, he was, he had sold all his property, all his Super Bowl rings to, to just pay for whatever van he was living on in the street. He became estranged from his wife and his son. And, uh, you know, at the, at the end, he was just, there's, there's YouTube clips of him trying to give interviews and it's really, it's painful to watch. Um, mm -hmm. there's a, there's a, you can actually see there's images you can find anything on on the internet it's just wild but there's actually images of his autopsy when they so they pull the cover really? over and you can see his legs and feet and how gnarled up they were and how football the the effect pro football had on his body um and then you know with his ct he just didn't give a shit about himself i think you know you you don't you, you don't take care of your health and you don't you just can't remember to eat you know we all know to eat when you're hungry you eat you know mm -hmm. cte to that to that degree he would forget to eat like he would forget to take care of himself and it's just a sad sad state of affairs and you know we're talking about mario williams here getting in trouble and whether you know is cte a factor and how cte can affect uh, mike webster is the poster child for you know the reason the nfl should take every single precaution in making guys um as safe as possible antonio brown right Good lead up, I would say, Brock. No? Nice segue there. Good segue to the old helmet incident. Our ongoing saga, I guess. Um, One team's trash is another team's... Uh... <laughs> all right. We're getting into the Oakland Raiders now. After that uh, update, um, we have a guest with us today. He goes by the name of Ivan Huskins. He is... Not only a, a good friend of uh, Pep and mine, but he's also a diehard Raiders fan, whether that's Oakland or Los Angeles. And he has joined us today to discuss his beloved black and silver. And um, 
I haven't, you've been listening for the last, uh, well, actually longer than I would care to admit, but uh, probably about an hour and a half or so as we were talking about the other teams. So um, you've heard us talk about them. This is a division you're very familiar with. Uh, first off, welcome. But what are your thoughts on uh, the other teams we've discussed? Hey, first off, guys, thanks a lot for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, Pep, I wish I had to play football against you back in the day. You know, you'd have a little more CTE to deal with um as the the quarterback that you were playing for rival high school i I guess i'll have to settle for the basketball court and that's all it was right um shots fired that's that's all right that's all right man that's pretty good that was pretty good i like that take it's been a lot of fun to to listen to you guys and uh, i love the way every story starts with pittsburgh comes to come something uh, current and then now to the team you're talking about so um i knew you were going with the old uh helmet uh, situation with uh, AB, but um, we'll get to that in a sec. First off, uh, I don't think you should leave the house without a helmet. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you have. I don't know how you have uh, Denver going ten and six. Um, <laughs> you got KC nine and seven. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm I'm excited about this. If, if those things are true, that means the Raiders are having a good season. Ten, ten and six, what, ten and six, nine and seven, eight and eight, I believe, is what how we have the Chargers. Chargers eight and eight, yeah. Chiefs nine and seven, and uh, Chargers uh, eight and eight. I I think? Uh, Broncos ten and six. So, yeah, I don't know. I think yeah. all those teams are are in the same boat. I mean, you've mentioned it a few times. You've mentioned a couple of things repeatedly with with each team. Is is uh, they're one or two injuries away, and and I, every team in the NFL is like that. But I don't see who they have stepping up if anybody does go down. Um, the whole Kareem Hunt thing, I don't agree with it. I don't agree how one guy gets eight games, he gets cut from the team. I understand that the violence against women, I'm not I'm not talking about anything about that. It's just, you know, then Hill gets away with nothing, you know. And on the flip side of that, you know, I mean, Brady gets four games for the air pressure in a football. You know, I, I don't <laughs> I don't understand how, how the league works that way. Nobody um, does. I'd be a, well, true. I'd be a lot more afraid of uh, KC if they had Hunt. Um, I think without a running game, I don't know. I think Mahomes is in trouble this year. I think he's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of athletic ability, but he's going to be running for his life. So, he does that um, very well, though. He does. <laughs> no, he does. But you put a spy on him or something like that, someone can keep up with him. You never know. Well, you know that's. I, mean? what, he, he I think move. that other teams have to do that. It's He is very, very dangerous when he's on the move, and especially if a Tyreek Hill is out there with him because – yeah. That's a seventy-yard gap. You got to try and fill in with all with Travis Kelsey in between, and maybe Watkins or that kid from Georgia. Um, but if you're on a defense, what do you want to do? I think you want to kind of keep him in the pocket and say, yeah. you know what, you're gonna you got a cannon. That's fine, but he's not a huge man either. So keep him in the pocket. Make him read. Make him throw on time. But you cannot let him get away from you. Anyway, that's still the Chiefs. Let's move uh, on uh, to your Oakland Raiders. <laughs> they made yep. some moves, to say the least. Uh, I, they made some moves. Uh, Brock, I have a couple of questions for Ivan. Uh, before we di- before you and I and Ivan dig into uh, you know player by player and depth chart and how good is Derek Carr going to be and all that, Bro- I want to ask you something, Ivan. In the offseason, the Raiders, you know, they... 
They've made the, the coaching change last year with Gruden. Mike Mayock takes over, and the mantra is we're going to change the culture. We're going to change the culture. We're going to be more disciplined. <laughs> you know, we're going to fill our team with character guys, and it's going to be we're going to change the culture. Uh, that's, so what do they do to change the culture? They bring in Richie Incognito, who was Amazing. suspended for bullying another human being. They bring in Vontaze Perfect, who has... 50 concussions in his career and has shown absolutely no ability to control himself on the field. He cost the Bengals a playoff win against the Steelers single-handedly. See, are these the guys that you bring in to mentor some of the young guys that they've drafted? Like, I I don't understand. I I love the, um, I love Mike Mayock. I actually think he's a phenomenal GM and some other moves he's brought in, namely Brandon Marshall, who I think is going to be a real sleeper for them. I I don't get why you bring these guys in. Richie Incognito is their starting left guard. Yeah, well, listen, I'm Pep. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you on some of it. Um, you know, I can't remember if it was episode two or three of uh, Hard Knocks, and I saw a clip of Bill Romanowski there, and I knew you'd be bringing this up tonight. And and I, as soon as I saw him, <laughs> you know, I, I thought of that in the early 2000s. You know, Romanowski was there after being a great player for Denver, uh, and they, they, you, you got to have a little edge, right? They can't be all a bunch of choir boys. I mean, you saw, you saw Gruden yelling at his, his backup quarterbacks about being so lame with the way that they approach everything and, and, and not getting the guys uh, pumped up and, and having some of that energy. And uh, I think Incognito's done a lot of work. I think he looked good in Buffalo. You know, it, it, does he need constant supervision? And, and hopefully he has the support he needs. But I think he's a great player. I mean, you're talking about a guy who went through some stuff in Miami. And I mean, hey, it was one of those situations that probably got out of hand as far as I'm concerned. I mean, there's hazing and, and, and rookie initiations. I mean, that stuff's changed a lot in the last 10 years. Um, so, you know, whatever that was, I mean, I, I don't really care. Um, he's an old they, they pro. Have, Nobody can yeah, deny that. Absolutely. He's a great guard. He's a, got a, he's a nasty guy, mean streak. I think for three or four years consecutive, he was, uh, he was labeled the dirtiest lineman in the NFL. But that's not necessarily an insult, you know? Like, that's a guy who no. just get, gets after it. Yeah, and if you're getting away with it, then it's not a penalty. I mean, if you're get, if it's costing you yards and it's costing you plays and it's costing you touchdowns, I totally get it. But if you're getting around, I mean, Brock and I know it well. We played together. Um, we played against each other, I think. Um, you know, you get down in the trenches, man, and it's what it is, whatever you can get away from within, mm-hmm. within the rules. And, um, you know, that's where the money's made. or that's where the, I mean, that's where the games are won, as far as I'm concerned. If you can so, make I mean, the guy, guy across like, from you focus on you because you're a prick, then that takes away his focus on trying to get the quarterback and do his job. He's trying to get back at you. And those yeah. are the little games within the trenches that happens. So, I, I'm, I'm, The one thing I'm worried about with that is, like, you know what, Richie uh, has, what, two – two-game suspension to start the season. Gabe Jackson's hurt. So you don't really have a left guard. Uh, Cooper, who they brought in, has not played well um, in the first two preseason games. a journey, man. Yeah, yeah, but a good filler. I mean, if you need him for a couple of games, that's yeah. great. Hopefully Gabe is back. But I, I, I don't know. Uh, I was a little surprised to see them spend the money on Trent Brown that they did, but put him at the right tackle. Um, He's just an absolute monster of a human being. <laughs> He's so big. That's like when Brock used to play against us when we were in high school or kids were 14, 15, and he's walking around like he's a grown man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Bro- I was talking about Wade Limits like, uh, Sorry, uh, Brock, a guy like Trent Brown, you know, if he's not 
because he's so big and he's got pretty decent feet for his size, because a, a guy is that size, can he get away with a little bit more in terms of a lack of technique, just being so darn strong and, and, and big? And, you know, he, he does, uh, he gets down pretty low for a big guy. So, you know, to get even leverage on him. But, like, can he get away with some mistakes just by being as strong as he is? Oh, 100%. I mean, that goes for any athlete in any sport. You know, if, uh, you know, can LeBron get away with doing certain moves that other athletes can't? Yes, because he's more athletic than them and he can do certain things. You know, you look at, I mean, he's a very good example. I'm curious to see, does he live up to the $66 million contract that they gave him? Or is he a product of the Patriots system? Which, again, we talked about that in the last episode where I feel that a lot of guys go in the Patriots system. They perform very well within that system. Therefore, they look very appealing and brought to different teams. But then in a normal setting that's not a Belichick, not a Brady run offense uh, where he might or not might, he's going to be relied on to block more than two seconds. Is he going to be able to... Uh, handle those things. So I'm curious to see if he lives up to it or if, you know, they, they see him as being an overpaid bust. Um, but guys that are bigger are generally and stronger, you can get away with something. That's just the nature of being an athlete. Look at Orlando Brown with uh, the Ravens and then look at his combine and all that kind of stuff. Like he's slow as molasses. His 40 was garbage. He could hardly bench press 225 more than like 13 times, I think. Um, Yet he was picked up in the, in the in the NFL draft, plays starts at right tackle for the Ravens, but he is a, a monster of a man. His feet are decent. He's got a very long uh, reach. Wingspan is crazy. So athletes learn to use their athletic gifts in different ways. And yeah, if you are naturally a, a a freak in terms of size and strength, then you can get away with technique. But if you're not, then you better have that technique down to even make yourself competitive with them. You know, story. Ivan, I know. I look at, uh, thanks Brock for that, by the way, I look at <clears throat> uh, the, the loss of Okichi assembly. I really, when they picked him up, I thought, Oh boy, you know, Rodney Hudson, all pro Gabe Jackson, <clears throat> assembly. Well, you've got, that's the middle of your line. I mean, I thought no one's going to touch Derek Carr and it didn't work out. And I'm, I'm surprised it didn't work out. We'll see how he, uh, how he blocks for Le'Veon Bell out in New York. But, um, you know, can you tell me about Colton Miller, their left tackle, you know, arguably the, the most uh, important position on the offensive line when you were a passing offense, what's Colton Miller like? Do you know anything about Colton Miller? Can you guys uh, add to him? Because he's really the name on that offensive line that I don't recognize. Why would well, you? He was <laughs> He was last year's uh, number one pick for them, wasn't he? Um, yeah. And, and they surprised everyone taking him as high as they did. He didn't 15. have a great year. Yeah, he didn't have a good year either. Like, he was the worst-rated uh, offensive tackle, I think, in the league. Gave up the most pressures, gave up the most sacks. Um, I think throwing him in like that, I don't think helped very much. You know, it's kind of like a trial by fire. Uh, first year in a new system, first year with a complicated offense. Uh, head coach that demands a lot, gets on you quick. You know, maybe maybe that rattled them a little bit. I think they've got, um, I think they got Brown starting on the right tackle, and if it goes bad, I think they can switch him. But um, Colt Miller, you know, it's his second year. I hope he does a lot better than last year because he's going to have to improve quite a bit to stay on that team. I don't know what Colton Miller's contract is like, but 
Trent Brown better be practicing his left-handed stance because at 66 million, <laughs> you're moving over to left tackle pretty damn quick if that guy's not doing his job. Oh, for years we saw I saw Ben Roethlisberger get pressured, uh, and again, no offense to uh, Marcus Gilbert, who I thought was a very serviceable guy and actually overachieved in Pittsburgh. I really liked Marcus Gilbert, but they had him starting at left tackle for a few years, and he just couldn't handle the situation. And then thankfully Alejandro Villanueva has come up and uh, and solidified the left tackle spot. But that for years was a problem in Pittsburgh, and it it can be a problem for passing quarterbacks. And you know I I don't know I speaking of quarterbacks, let's get to Derek Carr. I you know, is he, would he, would you consider him to be mobile enough to be able to scramble out of the pocket? Do you want him scrambling? He's your franchise. Um, um, what is, what is the situation right now with Derek Carr in terms of, uh, uh, what, what, what's pe- what are people's expectations of him? Like, is he a top five QB? I think he can be. And I think he proved that a couple of years ago. I, I think, um, you know, you're breaking his leg there when you're stepping up into the pocket uh, and breaking his, what was it, his ankle or his shin bone or something like that right before the playoffs started. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a couple, was that two years ago, three years ago? Um, I think that was, you know, that was shitty. I think that messed up his confidence. I think that all those people around his feet, I think last year, again, new new coach, new situation, new offense, uh, especially with a guy like a personality like Gruden. I, I, I think he... Uh, was trying to do what Gruden wanted him to do more than what he could do or what was available to him. I think breaking his back, I think on one play when he got out of the pocket the year after he broke his leg, I think when he, when he cracked a, ver- a vertebrae or, or compressed a vertebrae or something like that, uh, I think those two injuries two years back-to-back really kind of messed with his head. Um, last year, he threw for 4,000 yards. So he had two years just under 4,000 yards. He had last year just over 4,000 yards. Statistically, it was one of his better years. I mean, he's got 93% passer rating. Um, you know, I, I think he looked good. So far in training camp, the one drive he had or whatever, the one series he had, the touchdown drive that he had last last week in the preseason looked good. Um, I, I look forward to seeing what he's got. I think he can throw for 5,000 yards. Mm, Their that's... success depends on, depends on his health because Mike Glennon and Nathan Peterman um, are not <laughs> are not answers. And they, they don't have any draft picks behind them to, to groom. So, like, Derek, it's Derek Carr bust. You know, some teams have – some semblance of a, of a backup. Like, you know, I look at, uh, I look at San Diego, Tyrod Taylor's backing up there. So, I mean, he's, he's led the bills to a playoff, a playoff round. So, but I don't see Mike Glennon stepping up or Nathan Peterman. So it's all Derek Carr this year, but. I think it's all Derek Carr though, because you have very little um, money given to him over the next couple of years. This is his last year. This is it. You go out and get Tyrell Williams, you go out and get AB, you know, you got a couple of the guys coming up. The undrafted guy there uh, is it Doss, number eighty-nine, who's looked really good. Or yeah, Keelan yeah, Doss. Two of them. Yeah, eighty-three and eighty-nine have been absolutely fun to watch. Um, but you know, I mean, this is it. They'll they'll draft a, a first rounder this year if if Carr doesn't do anything. Well, I mean, Nathan Peterman is on the cusp of a breakout season. Let's be honest. This guy Jesus is ready Christ. to roll. <laughs> Did you see that run he did against uh, was it Arizona? Yeah. Oh fuck! Yeah. I thought I was watching highlights of Steve Young. Yeah, he was just unbelievable. I, uh... Rejuvenation. So you guys will be <laughs> fine if Derek Carr goes down. He'll be pushing. Right. Th- thanks, Brock. <laughs> the running back like situation. Too, it's a crowded backfield. Gruden Josh does like Jacobs, him. Jacobs, Doug Martin, Jalen Richard. It's crowded, but it's not crowded. That's Josh Jacobs' position to lose. Doug Martin will fill in a little bit, I think, but everybody else will be 
sporadic here and there. There've always been a running by committee with these guys in the last while anyway. Jacobs is coming in to take that spot. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ivan, but that's what I believe. I don't disagree. I mean, I don't know a lot about this Josh Jacobs kid. I mean, he didn't play a lot in in in, uh, in college. Um, I think Jalen Richard and, and DeAndre Washington, they've been there for a few years, so they'll stay. They play a lot of special teams and they're serviceable guys. Bringing back Doug Martin, I mean, I, I was really hoping they bring back Lynch, but, you know, I mean, who knows how far gone he, he is uh, mentally. Um, I don't mean that in any. I just mean like was he was he, he retired? Yeah, yeah. I don't think yeah. I don't think yeah, he yeah. was he was a full on full on. I think that that was a sort of a, a risk of gone bad, really. I mean, he did not have a good year last year, and he didn't have he Got didn't hurt. show that breakaway ability that he had, obviously with the with the Seahawks. Uh, it was an ugly fit. It didn't it didn't work. I thought it was going to work. Like I said, you know, Gabe Jackson, Hudson, and uh, Osemele with uh, mm-hmm. with that beast running behind them. You know, that was, it had potential on paper. It just didn't work out. Well, I, I think, I mean, the, the three and outs hurt. I mean, they didn't, they didn't move the ball well. I mean, the car was checked down, checked down. You get, you get a couple of, you know, short passes for two yards. I mean, it, it doesn't give anybody a break. All right, let me ask you this. Um, we already talked about Mayock and, and, you know, his stamp and whatever. The draft picks that he's done, you know, were criticized but also when i look at them like after the draft there's some pretty good picks and the fact that i think you guys are going to be doing okay with those three first rounders that you got we'll see how josh jacobs does because you know but he's an alabama kid so i've seen him run he is very good and if he didn't play as much as you would expect that could be even better for his freshness but uh cleveland farrell is a guy whose upside is phenomenal and uh, abram is you know somebody who should step in right away like you got some pretty decent guys guys from a gruden standpoint do you feel like gruden though might have like it's not the gruden of old it's not the gruden that uh, was in the super bowl and whatever he's been out of it for a while is there any concern of him losing uh, touch with his players that's a good question, Buck. I mean, I, I've seen him kind of stamp things shut. Like, he, that interaction with him in episode one with uh, Abram. Like, Abram gave it back to him, and he took it a lot more than I expected him to. Mm-hmm. Um, his back and forth with AB in, in episode three or whatever, you know, again, it was some back and forth. He's showing these young guys a lot of respect. I, I do question some of the veterans that they brought in. I know I, I didn't really answer your question, Pep, with, uh, you know, Vontez and stuff, and I know why you're hating on him. But, um, you know... <laughs> These young guys have a lot of great character, and, and you know Abrams has a bit of an edge. Uh, this Max Crosby, that, that kid's got a lot of uh, a lot of energy as well. I uh, really enjoyed watching him, uh, his highlights or his his tape from uh, the preseason. Mm-hmm. I don't, didn't he break his wrist or something? He came right back in the game, put a cast on it, get me back in there. Yeah, tough son of a bitch for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I'd like to see these guys do well. I think Quellen uh, 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 Farrell. Um, you know, yeah. I, I think. There's a, he'll be solid. I mean, I know we didn't talk about Mac or, or Cooper or any of that stuff. And, you know, I was kind of, I wouldn't have paid Mac the money that the Bears had to pay him. No, no eh? The guys that were coming due. We were avoiding no. it because we just didn't want our one of our guests to cry on air when we started talking about it. Oh, but. listen, man. I mean, I, I love him. And that first game back against, uh, was it Green Bay? I mean, how do you not love him? 
Right. But uh, is he worth 100 and was it 120 million or whatever the contract was? I mean, their mistake was not signing him earlier in the year before Aaron Donald signed his contract. You know, and that's a game. I mean, that's a game outside of the game in terms of yeah. money and dollars and um, how it's very much um, a status uh, level based on your contract numbers. So if you feel like you're over Aaron Donald and you've done more than him, then your money has to be more than him. Um, right. You know, so that's that's the game outside of the game. I think Mac fits in really well with Chicago's defense, and that's again another episode. But um, you know that it's still a big loss for for the Raiders' defense. That being said, you did get a lot back for him. So. How many, hey, sacks, uh, I mean, how many sacks did Oakland get last year? None. <laughs> not not many. I, I will say this. I love Brandon Marshall. I loved him in, in Denver. I think he's just, he's, that is a, that is a wise pickup. Um, I, I can't say the same for perfect. He's, he's one hit away from being concussed again. And the way he plays with that reckless abandon, I, I like, you know, how they, how they would sign, Perfect and Brown to the same team after that collision in, in the 2016 playoff where, you know, he knocks the guy out, almost ends his career. Brown goes in the media, says this guy's an idiot and loose cannon, all this. And now they're teammates. Like, I don't. I, what can Isn't I say? I, I need I need to I need to I need to address the elephant in the room here. And we're talking about the I want to get to the wide receiving core. Now, I want to ask you something, Ivan. Knowing that you were going to roll out Terrell Williams, Hunter Renfro, who looks really good. He's awesome. And J.J. Yep. Nelson, would you have dealt for Antonio Brown knowing that you would have had those three guys to roll out anyways? I, I think that opportunity came. I, yeah, it is. And I, and I think that opportunity came up. And listen, Pep, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll digress and I'll let you know that uh, you know, Pittsburgh's my second favorite team in the league. They always have been. I've always appreciated teams with a tough defense. So, you know, I was happy to see him come this way because – you know, I, I was sad to see all that crap go on in Pittsburgh. I, I, I wanted the killer bees to stay together and, and go after a couple of Super Bowls and, and beat Brady and all that shit. But, um, you know, I, I still do it. I don't think he gave up that much. Uh, on paper, you know, like the a third round pick for a, for an all world receiver. I mean, I was at the time, I'm like, Jesus, just a third rounder. Like, uh, you know, San Francisco was offering a little bit more from what I understood, but you know, in hindsight, Deontay, Deontay Johnson is having a phenomenal camp and looks like a mini Antonio Brown. So uh, that being said, at the end of the day, would you would you have made that deal still knowing not so yep. much the, the third round pick because it's a, a third round picks, a third round pick. They're kind of interchangeable by that point. But like with the headache that's come with with Antonio Brown, with the helmet and the feet and, the, you know, not showing up to practice and the, the rumors that he's on his phone during meetings and checking his Instagram and bank bank account on the phone. And, you know, some players have gone anonymous to say that he's he's annoying, basically um, that headache when you're trying to change the culture. Is that something you want? I'm going to channel my inner Alan Iverson. Man, we talking about practice. Um, <laughs> if he's ready week one, if he's ready week one, I don't give a shit. I really, I mean, fuck it. I was going to say, no. sell <clears throat> some nobody tickets, cares. make that money back. You're going to Las Vegas next year. I mean, I, who gives a shit? You got to sell tickets in a city that sells tickets to anything. And um, he, he, he still looks phenomenal. He's done a lot of work that we don't see. Uh, behind the scenes, he's he spent a lot of time throwing with Derek Carr as soon as he got traded. He's in great shape. Um, absolutely. I mean, even now with his feet being all messed up, you know, over the last few weeks, he still you still see some of the work he's getting in. 
And I mean, I guess they're cutting a lot of skin off and it's growing back the new skin and he, you know, his feet are burning up a little bit, but the yes. helmet situation, I think is complete bullshit. Um, I think he's a friggin' idiot when it comes to that. Um, you know, you got to change your gear. I know it's 10 years and blah, 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 but you know what? Deal with it. I don't think it it's is what it is. You know, making it out. I, yeah. I, I want to play, I want to play the other, the other side for a second. And I want to say that, look, I've seen the guy for, I've seen the guy run Mike Wallace and Emmanuel Sanders out of town because of how talented he is. And I've seen the guy make some phenomenal catches. Ben Roethlisberger would be the first to agree that he made him look like a genius. Like they were a, a amazing combination, amazing combination. Like they, Ben Roethlisberger had two or three games over the last few years where he threw for 500 yards. And a lot of those, a lot of those yards came at the hands of Antonio Brown. The guy is an exceptional talent exceptional is his field awareness his footwork his hands everything he, 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 all the checks all the checks but why would you leave a situation where you've got such a good connection with a quarterback to go to another situation where Derek Carr is coming off okay a, a decent year but an injury you know he's, he's relatively unproven still to this day you think Really? Well, I mean, he's, he had the one year where he led him to the playoffs, but nobody expected him to make the playoffs that year. I think they snuck up on teams that year, and they they won a few games that nobody thought they would win. I thought last year really sort of came back down to earth and showed what they really were at the time. They're much better this year, though. They're much more talented. They're, they have a, a much more veteran group. I think they're going to make some noise this year. But I actually thought last year they kind of crashed back down to earth. But my point is, if you're Antonio Brown, what what sense? Where's the sense in it? You've you've got a Hall of Fame quarterback, a Hall of Fame situation. You're a perennial Super Bowl contender every year in Pittsburgh. Why would you make that decision to leave town? Was it his decision though? No. Well, they I mean they offered him. It's not. I don't think money was the issue. I just no. But there was something else that like uh, whatever it was that rubbed him the wrong way. There was. It could 100, be fucking 110 catches a, a year rubs you the wrong way. It, you're you're targeted every game. You're like I don't I I I don't get it. Like I don't. You get to those levels, it doesn't matter. It's uh, it's not about that. It's it's if the guy's happy, and if he's not happy, and if he's not gelling, then it's hey, I'm out and send me to somewhere else. That's why they got rid of him for a third round pick because they were almost forced to get rid of him because he said no, I'm not coming back here. Whatever it was and that happened. Yeah, I, I, you know, and that's that's exactly what happened. And you know, kudos to him for, for taking charge of his own career. But Ivan, are you concerned that he has a game where, let's say, he's not targeted? Let's say the defense is shading towards his side of the field, and you know, Tyrell Williams gets 15 balls and two touchdowns, and Hunter Renfro gets whatever he gets, and and Antonio Brown's thrown two, three times, and he loses his fucking marbles on the sidelines. Like, are you guys prepared I to handle that? Oh, I, I think with Mike and, and, and Gruden, you're, you're definitely ready, ready to deal with that. I think uh, 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 Mike got a little frustrated there with, with um, Brown not being around and, and sent out that ultimatum on Sunday. I think it was uh, his job to take the bullet there as the GM and uh, threw it a little warning shot across the bow. And, you know, funny enough, he, he shows up on uh, for practice on Monday or Tuesday, whatever it was, with, with, with the right helmet, with a league-approved helmet. So... Um, you know, it, it, Gruden can kind of be the, the buffer between uh, him and the GM, and, and, and you're, you're going to see Mike make the comments out, out in the press when, when they need to. And I think, I think they'll, they'll keep him in check. And, I mean, listen, it, it's really hard not to like Derek Carr. I mean, as, as a person, you know, that, that, that whole family, I mean, his brother, they're really quality people. They so really I, I are. don't see him. They really are. 
Yeah, and I don't see him going nuts after Derek Carr. And I don't see Derek, Derek Carr quite taking it. But, I mean, this is a big year for Derek as well. So he's going to want to look good, right? So he, he'll he air it out. But he's always thrown to the guy that's, uh, you know, that, that's open. He's never been a guy I find that, that picks the player and just tosses. I, I wish he had thrown it up there a little more. Maybe Amari Cooper still be in town. You know, um, he, he didn't throw those jump balls very well. I didn't find or he didn't, he didn't throw it in the double coverage. He's always playing the safe bet, the check down throw and all that kind of crap. I'm looking forward to seeing him aired out and see what, what his arms really got. Um, I think Brown's going to open up a lot of space for those other guys. I think those guys are going to have great years, um, Hunter and, uh, and Williams. Uh, I was really liking that pickup with, uh, against San Diego because he's one of my fantasy players last year with San Diego or, sorry, um, L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Williams was, was great value. And what you're going to see is you're going to see some good numbers out of Williams, and you're going to see the value that they're going to have in having A.B. on the other side. But what A.B. has proven is he can make that catch in double coverage. He'll, he'll find a way to get open. He runs patterns real well. He moves real quick. And if Derek can lead him properly, oof, I'm looking forward to it. When you talk about Derek Carr throwing to the open, man, I think that's one thing that he 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 does, but it's in a negative context because the guy's really got to be open for him to throw it. Cooper was, you know, arguably the best separation receiver. I think stat-wise, he's always got the most separation. And Carr doesn't didn't necessarily put it in there. I think one thing that Antonio Brown is going to do is he's going to speak up and he's going to he's going to push Carr to right. throw the ball when Carr may initially think that he's not covered. You know what I mean? He's going to still demand the ball, say, "Throw me the damn ball." And he'll be able to adjust. And I think if he can do that, I think that's going to force Carr to actually be a better quarterback moving forward because he's going to be able to throw uh, guys open or throw into what he previously thought was a covered man to understanding that in the NFL, the windows are a lot smaller. So he doesn't need to have two-yard separation. You know, half a yard is still open. And Antonio Brown does that better than anybody. So. And that's you know what Brock you mentioned you mentioned that and it brings me right back to my whole situation with with timing and and yeah is it yeah pra- it's just practice yeah but it's look him and him and Ben Roethlisberger knew exactly where the ball was going to be together like Ben could throw a ball with uh, Antonio Brown's back to him and he knew as soon as he turned around it was going to be in a specific spot that went that's years of practice that's years of repetition that's years of and I'll tell you right now. Last year was the first year that I remember in Antonio Brown's career where he didn't quite get the same separation that he got in the years past. So there were there were uh, passes thrown to him last year, sort of forced passes, that uh, where Antonio Brown wasn't quite getting the same separation. Has he lost a step? I don't think so. But he, I mean, Father Time's undefeated, so Derek Carr is gonna have to uh, figure out a way, like Brock said, to trust in the fact that. Brown is going to be in a certain spot when the ball, when he turns around, the ball's going to be there. So I'm interested to see the dynamic, the, the chemistry. He's missed so much practice though. Like how are they going to, how are they going to make this up in three weeks? Yeah. And I yeah, was but- saying that he's been working with Carr for some stuff too. Cause I was going to ask him the same thing. Cause without practice, you don't get that timing just quickly on your AB thing for last year. Separation can't be, achieved if you have safety help over top you know what i mean if you have safety help over top and you have a guy covering you there is really no separation there and i think antonio brown has done enough in his career where he's obviously demands safety help over top they're going to force other people to make those plays and that's why i i think 
yes, he's getting older, but I think he's just as quick. I think his, you know, he'll be in and out of his breaks just as well. If they get the timing together, he'll be open, but he demands so much attention that that's why it looks like he's just not getting the separation that he usually does. Sorry, sure. Ivan, go yeah, ahead. That's why Schuster looked like uh, John Stallworth last year. No, I get it for sure. I hey, listen, Brock. I, I agree. With, I mean, I, I agree with you, and I, and I, and I see what you're saying, Pat. I just, um, I'm more anxious in, in, in seeing, you know, Derek Carr really step into it. Like, if he's got to throw it down the field, can he step into it? Is he willing to step into that pocket, you know, like he did when he when he snapped his leg uh, right before the playoffs? And that was like, I mean, people were talking MVP that year. So, do I think he's got it in him? Absolutely. Um, do I do I think AB is going to be all right? I, I think he's going to get. I think he's going to get it. I think you're going to see a little bit more parity though between AB and Williams, just because Williams is a bigger body. And um, big you fan know, of Tyrell he, Williams. Me too. I, I listen. I had him in my fantasy league last year. I mean, you, I got, you guys were talking about Keenan Allen and stuff like that, and all his bitching and whining. But really, I don't think I, I've never really liked Keenan Allen. I don't think he's that great of a player Same. myself personally. Um, Can't stay healthy. I think. I think. No, exactly. exactly. You know who I will target in my fantasy football is going to be Renfro Hunter. Hunter Renfro. If he gets in and is starting, if you've watched Clemson football, that dude is like, uh, what they used to call Chris Hogan there, 7-Eleven, always open or something like that. Like <laughs> he, his route running is phenomenal. His understanding of the defense and finding those holes is phenomenal. He's going to be that possession guy that when Antonio takes a safety help over top and Tyrell gets matched up with their second best corner, or whatever, who's open? It's going to be Hunter around the middle. Like they, um, he's uh, going to be great. Let me. Can I ask you guys a question? Of course. Um, what do you? What do you, do you like? Wes Welker and then Julian Edelman. Do you think he can be that type of player down the road? Uh, yeah, I think he's that type of player as it soon as the, the, the problem with those type of players is that it's not that type of player that they can make themselves. That type of player is developed between him and the relationship with the quarterback. Those type of players and those quick uh, Edelman type routes are so dependent on timing with the quarterback. That ball's got to be gone before he makes his break. And then he gets the ball in his hands, and he's a possession-type receiver where he can make some moves. Hunter Renfro can be that, but in order to be that, he needs to be – it needs to be a Derek Carr, Hunter Renfro-type thing, just like a Brady Edelman-type thing. It can't be just on the receiver. I haven't seen enough of him yet, Ivan. I, he only has two catches in two preseason games for 26 yards. Yep. So, I don't like, I don't um, – I haven't quite seen enough of him yet. Uh, you don't watch enough college stage, football, so. then. That's the problem. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't watch Clemson football. That's for sure. And uh, um, or they love him. Football. They love him in camp, right? They love him in camp. He's been doing great in camp. Everyone's been talking about him. Um, another quick question: What do you guys think of the uh, Darren Waller situation? The tight end, uh, number eighty-three. Do you guys know anything about that? He was drafted by Baltimore from Georgia Tech. That guy. I I don't know I, his I situation. Don't. What's uh, what's going on with Darren Waller? Uh, he looked. He, he looked to get himself out of the league by. Um, you know, uh, pills, uh, you know, yeah, he was suspended a bunch and like, didn't uh, play. I don't think he played last year, but they're saying he could be their dark horse. And I, I mean, I think, I think Oakland will do better with a good tight end. I mean, obviously they had a great one last year in cook, um, big shoes to fill, but they're saying that this guy could actually do a, a phenomenal job, um, of taking that spot. Let's just put it this way. I don't know a lot about him, but he's, you know, 
I know he's a big guy. He's 6'6", 240. But if a guy has been suspended four games in uh, 2016, spent it a year in 2017, reinstated last year, waived, like those uh, injured reserve for eight games the, in 2015, like he has never played a full season. He's been in trouble or suspended for a bunch of them. The fact that he is still able to be brought in by a team speaks volumes for that guy's athleticism. Because the one thing the NFL will, won't do is if you have ridiculous talent, you're going to find your way back in somewhere. And yeah. this just goes to prove like that for me, when I look at his stats, I say, you know what? This guy is a freak athlete because the fact that he's still here after all that shit where, you know, in the real world, you happen to do that. And if you're not, a good, if you're not good, you're out. Like there's just no second, third, fourth chances. And this guy's getting them. So yeah, uh, it sounds like he could very well be, if he keeps his shit together, could be a freak athlete out there. Uh, you know, I, um, I pride myself on, you know, knowing personnel on each team fairly well. I, I got to tell you, I look at the, the, the Raiders depth chart. I, I don't foster Morrow is the guy who I have second on the depth chart with Derek carrier and Luke Wilson, who's the only guy, only name I recognize from his days in Seattle. So I, mean, I, I don't know what their tight end situation is like. It looks to me like it's the only offensive skill group that uh, I, I don't recognize anybody. So you guys, you guys can bring more to the table than I can in terms of that. I like Luke Wilson. I always thought he was a, a, a decent, uh, like a, more of a pass catcher than a blocker. Um, Canadian in kid, this eh? offense, they got plenty yeah. of catchers. So. Yeah, they picked up that kid from LSU. That's the Foster Moral you were talking about. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. That's a, a position like like the Steelers. Steelers are looking for depth at tight end. I'm, I'm, they may be looking, you know, as as the uh, as teams make their cuts. Maybe there's a guy out there that they can pick up. Uh, uh, I don't I don't know, but I do know this: uh, uh, Rico Gafford is turning eyes in uh, in uh, camp. He caught a 50 yard touchdown pass against the Cardinals the other day. Um, a guy to keep an eye out. I mean, he's another rookie. Uh, James Butler is turning heads with uh, his running play, and he could make. If you had to pick between Doug Martin and Jalen Richard right now, who would you keep, uh, Ivan? I've never been a Doug Martin fan. I, I never understood why they brought him in. Um, I'd say give the younger guy a chance. I think there's enough veteran leadership on that team. They don't really need him. I mean, he's serviceable, but blah. I don't really care. I like Jalen Richard. He's got good hands out of the backfield, yeah. and he comes from that system in Seattle where you know they move the ball fast, and he caught some balls out there. And uh, yeah, I would and have to go with the same. Team. I would send Martin packing, and if I have to keep James Butler, I, I keep James Butler. It's always good to keep fresh legs who turns eyes, right? You know, you never know when you need them. So, I was really—I I don't know much about it. I don't know if you guys know anything about it, but Chris Warren had a great camp last year. Played well, got hurt. They left him on the uh, inactive roster or inactive spot all last year, and then they cut him this summer and I, I didn't understand why they had uh, kept him around as an injured player all year only to release him this summer I guess maybe he didn't get healthy enough or whatever but I was really looking for I think it was Chris Warren the third was his name I was really hoping he'd stick around this year what's that situation Brock are you doing a kid a favor by keeping him around keeping him around football kind of thing and then you you know you, you let him know that you're going he's not going to be part of the future uh usually that's going to be something there they were hanging on to either see the guy progress from an injury, make sure he, if he can get back to where they think he can get back to, or, um, you know, maybe it's something else from an injury standpoint. It's just got to, 
uh, help him along and keep him around. But at some point, it comes down to numbers as well. So that just meant that they got rid of him. They needed somebody else to put on there now. And he's kind of lived his shelf life. He didn't take the steps they wanted him to and gone. The other thing, too, is that Maalock's a new GM, right? So the guy was there last year when the other guy. So um, now you're dealing with one GM that has him there because maybe he sees something in him and he wants to uh, give him a, an opportunity to uh, uh, get healthy or develop. But then when the new GM comes in, that's the other guy's guy. So he doesn't have yeah. that same relationship. It's like, okay, I'm going to get you out and I'm going to put my guy in there. So it could be a, a, a variety of things as to why that happened. Sure. But, um, you know, it's too bad for the kid that it did. Well, right. you know, I will say this about the Raiders. They're going to be uh, a, a team to keep an eye on just for if for any reason. All the, all the hoopla with hard knocks and Gruden being a – uh, you know, a character as a coach and, you know, and the Antonio Brown situation, some of these pickups that they have, I mean, they're going to be, they're going to be a team to watch and they're going to be a fun team to watch. And I, I do wish them success because I do, I do like the Raiders. I, I like the Raiders. I've always liked the Raiders franchise. Um, I like the black and silver. I like the way they look. Um, and I, I want them to succeed. I think the league is better when the Raiders are, are pretty good. So uh, it's like a bromance. There. It's know, like I've a bromance bu- budding here between the Pittsburgh fan <laughs> talking to the Raiders fan, but the Pittsburgh fan nah. likes the Raiders, and the Raiders fan likes Pittsburgh. And oh, it's so great! Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck in the seventies, there were only two relevant teams: three, if you can consider the Miami Dolphins. But you know, everyone else sucks shit <clears> back in the seventies. It was the Pittsburgh hey, and the Raiders, and you know. I, I've forgiven John Madden for being such a fucking baby about uh, immaculate reception. I've forgiven him. I know Ivan can forgive him too. <laughs> That's like, I got a quick question about the rap. Just, just I know you guys have to wrap this up sooner or later. Um, the uh, the defense, the secondary was a was a big hole last year. It was a gaping. Uh, they gave a lot. They gave up a lot of big plays downfield. What do you think of having like Lamarcus Joyner? Uh, you got you know Conley's into the next another year. Carl Jones is the second year, and this kid uh, Jonathan. Jonathan Abram, Abram um, this kid. This kid, this I dude is a wait. man. He flies around. Wait. He is awesome. You see him laying guys out without pads on? No. Is that a, is there a clip yeah. of that somewhere? Yeah, it was. Uh, he was just shedding a block or something. And he blew up a tight end. Um, they were just wearing helmets. It was just run throughs and stuff like that. But and then uh, Gruden and him had a little face to face and had a little conversation. He's like, "What are you going to do, Coach? Cut me?" So, like, I just love his attitude. Um, I can't wait to see him play. Can they fly? Like you know, the, right now I think the class of the AFC West in terms of secondary it, for me is is uh, LA Chargers. They, I, I mean, I just I love the their cornerback, and I love I mentioned Derwin James. He Derwin James is like the prototype NFL player on defense now. Like the, he's everything you want. You know, as a, as a safety, he can play linebacker. He, he's a, he's a freak. Um, do the Raiders have anybody like that on their defense? I, Lamarcus Joyner is a veteran guy. I, I, serviceable guy you know um i i don't know i I need to i haven't seen much of the raiders this year i don't know how much of their secondary has been playing in the preseason so it's going to be how fast they can gel um can they do they have enough depth to play nickel and dime you know can they adjust when they play teams like the broncos who are going to run the ball on them i i I don't know i i I like what i like the moves you know there's some those some there's some quality guys on there with good skill i i i I can't offer much much on that i haven't seen enough of them play a lot of it's going to be with their young guys and how they develop, 
with Abrams and Mullen from Clemson as well. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they how they do develop and and how quickly they do. But athletically and physically, the guys that uh, they drafted and that they brought in uh, are good. But again, you know the the secondary unit is another one that uh, it's not the offensive line, but it's a unit that does need to uh, work together and really understand what everybody's doing on the field and who's got backup, who's got your help, who's got underneath. Anyway, so it's going to be, it's a learning curve, but there's a lot of communication. They all got to work together. And if the, the group does come together, they got some ballers on that uh, that team. And it may not be this year, but within the next year or two, it will be. Who's their defensive coordinator, Ivan? I, I don't even remember. Uh, I know Olsen's the offensive coordinator. Um, isn't it the guy they got from? Paul uh, Gunther. Yeah, it's Gunther, yeah. From uh, from Cincinnati? Cincinnati or, or Baltimore. Yeah, he's been around. Yeah, he's a, he's a very good very very he's one of those new, sort of new age um young young line of coaches who have like the forward thinking and i thought i thought he helped the bengals overachieve they were they weren't as talented right. on paper as t- teams might have thought and he was a very very good coordinator so good on them for getting paul gunther and he's going to be a head coach in this league one day well i think that's why he, and that answers your question why they got Vontez, right they wanted somebody who came in who, who i think his best year was under gunther's was uh, rule a couple of years ago What's that? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he froze there a little bit. He was talking about something real quick, but Pep, you with us? Yeah, sorry. All right. Yes, you Looks guys like got you, cut off for a second. You froze for a quick second there. I, I did, did, but Ivan responded with the Paul Gunther and the Vontez Perfect. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Just saying that that's why they brought him in. You know, they brought him in to, to run that defense. They brought him in to... Uh, you know, he had his best years under best year under Gunther, and he was able to keep him under control. I think he had the least amount of penalties. So I think I think if they can stay away from the penalties, uh, not have like like you said, not have these guys that run around and, and take themselves out of the play by trying to make a big hit, and they play together in, in unison, I, I think they can have a better squad than anybody anticipates. Yeah, well, I seventeen. So. I mean, I, he's got, know, he had thirteen so. seasons with the Bengals, seventeen years experience. So yeah, he brings a lot of it. I'm looking forward to seeing that uh, that dynamic. It's uh, it's like it's going to be must watch TV, no doubt. Uh, I don't remember a team that's bringing in such I don't know dr- drama. I guess is really the only word you can think of. Dra- <laughs> whether that's good or bad, it's dramatic. What's been happening with Antonio Brown? So they're going to be must watch TV. And again, I want to emphasize Brown is an all world receiver. I I'm not here to shit on him in terms of his talent. He's fantastic. I mean, I've watched a guy from since he was a rookie. And he's made plays that I don't think any other receiver could make in the last 10 years. So it's going to be fun to watch. I'm just interested to see how fast he gels with Carr. And I'm interested to see if these guys implode or if they come together like veterans usually do. So, Well, as for anything, any team, it's all about gelling. So when there's different moving parts and and big key additions, it's about how well they can come together as a team and, you know, football is the epitome of a, of a team sport and, and the importance of them coming together. So what we're going to do now is we are going to go over the schedule. We're going to do our predictions on that. Uh, Ivan, for the record, uh, will ask you, but if you get to uh, 7-0 and for the Raiders, then I'm just going to cut you off because it's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> win, 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 win. All right. Win. Slowly win. the volume you're, you're, goes down. 
You read my All mind. Right. Thanks, Brock. <laughs> All, right. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and I'll name <clears> them off. You guys want to mark your your wins and losses? You want you can obviously I want you to say it on air too. I'll do my own here as well. And uh, then what we'll do when we're done this, Brock, is I have uh, I think I had CBS Sports is uh, their prediction their record prediction, and we'll see how close we all are. So, all right. So, getting started, the Broncos are at the Raiders for week one. Yeah, I have the Raiders winning. Me too. Okay. Uh, I, I, for the record, I have, as a, I have that as a loss. Um, Chiefs at Raiders. I have it as a loss. So do I. Ra- Raiders at Vikings. Loss. Loss. Ra- N- next one, I have that as a loss too. Raiders at Colts. Guys, don't be fooled by the Indianapolis Colts. Their defense is going to be unreal fast. I have this as, a, as my sleeper loss. I don't have it as a sleeper loss. I have it as a loss. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I have it as Ivan, a, let me guess. I have it as a win. I have it as okay. a win and Andrew Lux out of that game. Oh, because of the Raiders or before the Raiders? <laughs> because of. Because of. Okay. How about, uh, that's, the, that's an old school game, too. Old school logos and old school. I like that. The next game, speaking of old school, we got yeah. the Chicago Bears at the Raiders. That, well, one, that one's in London, eh? That one's in London? Is it? I don't know. It's a one o'clock game, so. Yeah. I've, October 6th. Okay, I'm going to give that a rating there. Uh, I've got that as a loss. Uh, yeah. Raiders at Packers. Uh, loss. Jesus Christ, guys. I have them 0-6 right now. Uh, I'm 1-5. I, I, I have that as a win. That's going to be their first big win. It's coming off a of bye week. Okay. At Packers, you said? Yep. Wow. They've Raiders won there at Texans. They've won there before. They're, they've been in the league for a long time. At some point, they're going to have a win. <laughs> Raiders at Texans. <laughs> Raiders at Texans. Fuck it. I'll give you a win on this one. I can't keep putting X's down. I, I've got Jesus it. Christ. Lions at Raiders. Here's your first victory, uh, Oakland. Yeah, I'll give it Oakland, too. Hey, did they play Pittsburgh last year, Pat? The Raiders? Yeah. Oh, yes, they did. And they, yes, they did. Yeah, I, that uh, sounded yes, like a loaded I, question. Well done. Well, well done, it was one Ivan. of four wins. I think it was one of four wins. Yeah, I, I remember. The that ba- you know what, Ivan? For the last decade, Pittsburgh, the years that Oakland has been not so good and Pittsburgh has been really good, they've suffered midseason losses to the friggin' Raiders every year. One of those letdown games, and the Raiders have our number. Anyway, uh, LA Chargers at Raiders. I'm at that game. So it better be a fucking win. I'm going to give you a W there. I may have taken the Chargers earlier on, but I'm going to give that a W just because I feel bad right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Bengals I'm doing the same thing. Raiders. Bengals and Raiders. That's a win. That's a win. I think the Bengals yeah. are going to suck. Raiders yep. at Jets. Oh. They're <laughs> traveling better. <sighs> they, they travel east better. I don't think the Jets yeah. can be that good either. No, I'll give them a loss, though, anyway. I can't give them five wins in a row. That just doesn't make I, any sense. I, I'm going to go a lot. The Jets, guys, their defense is going to be unreal. They had, a, they had a top five secondary last year, and then you throw in C.J. Mosley and some of the guys and Leonard Williams and Quinn. Oof. Ivan knows this. If you listen to the last episode, he knows this. We've already talked about it. Raiders at Chiefs. Loss. Loss. 
guys here's my team again uh, the titans at raiders titans uh they're a tough they're a tough road team i'm gonna give the raiders a w on that one that's still a win i'm gonna give them a loss jaguars at raiders got jags are gonna be freaking tough guys are they though yeah no. they are that's a, that's a no. team that was two years ago uh, a quarter away from going to the Super Bowl, except they blew it, you know? Two years ago. You know how much stuff happened in two years? Not much. They had one down season. Bortles suck shit. Raiders, going, Raiders win that. I'm, going, I'm giving the Raiders a loss there. I think Jags will be in the playoff hunt by that time. Raiders at Chargers. Loss. That's a win. Raiders at Broncos. Uh, that's gonna be a loss. One, two, three, four, five, six. Guys, I have them four and twelve. Uh, I have them eleven and five. Do you have them eleven and five? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think you, you guys laugh it up, man. I think I think you're gonna be surprised. I think that that whole division's gonna be messed up. Well, you know what? I will tell you the um, these are. What was your thing, Pep? I had four and twelve. Four and twelve. I had six and ten. So we have. There's no way. And the There's line. No way. <laughs> if you're going Denver ten and six, and then you're going the Raiders four and twelve, Pep, give it up. I didn't do Broncos ten and six. They were eight and eight, and that I said, was. I said Pep. Okay, I said Pep. I'm just making sure that our listeners know I didn't pull that ten and six shit with the Broncos. Fuck out, way. Uh, okay, so to to narrow this down here, we've got. I mean, I these are my picks for the for this the, the division. I have Denver going ten and six, KC nine and seven. Those two inter realistically interchangeable. Those both those teams can flip flop as far as I'm concerned. Chargers eight and eight, and Oakland four and twelve. Brock, what do you got? I got the Chargers winning the division at nine and. Oh yeah, the Chargers nine and seven. The Chiefs and the Broncos are both eight and eight, and the Raiders are six and ten. And uh, Ivan, did you have uh, predictions for the first three teams? No, I, I, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Okay. I mean, there's no way uh, they won't get double digit wins in Denver. Um, I think they might go ten and six in KC. I just think it's gonna be a weird year. I, I think what you said about KC with no running back, I, I think they're gonna have a tough time. Yeah, I agree with you, buddy. And uh, the sporting news, these are the predictions for the sporting news. They have KC finishing 14 and 2. They oh. have the LA Chargers going 11 and 5. They have the Raiders and Broncos both at 5 and 11. Hmm. And I think for for most of the predictions I've read, they're it, it, everyone's in the same ballpark in terms of KC finishing first and the Chargers finishing second. I just don't see it. But you know, again, it's a wild, wild west where one injury can flip-flop the whole division. So, so you know, in a division so tightly uh, heated, contested like this particular one, coaching and injuries are going to go a long way. So we'll see what happens. Well, Ivan, you definitely are right if you think it's going to be a weird year and you predict 11-5 and five for the Raiders. <laughs> um, but anyway, 16 and 0. all right, we've taken enough time from everybody's lives right now for everybody listening, for everybody who's on this podcast. Ivan, we want to thank you so much for joining us. Great um, guest. Yeah, phenomenal. Oh, guys, love you guys, man. I really appreciate it. Loved it. And as a little token of our appreciation, we're going to go out to a song that is just for you.
Okay. Oh no. No, it's a good, it's good. Anyway, we're gonna go out to right. this. Um, hey, Much love, brother. We will reconvene as we see how this season actually does turn out, and if uh, the Raiders have five wins before they get to the eighth game, then you will be back on and you'll be hosting this show and telling us <laughs> how to do this. Thank All right, you. Thank you, Evan. Take care. Raider Nation, stand up. I tried to tell you we were coming this year. This the Oakland Raider anthem, let it bump in your ear. Derek Carter, MVP, man, he wanted his clear. Khalil Mack got quarterbacks running with fear, yeah. I, I got to brag on my team. 2002, they tried to rob us, but we back for the ring. Michael Crabtree, he's a catching machine. Hey, yeah, I love the Raiders, but I rap for my king. Now everybody want to talk about the Cowboys, but they ain't ready for that Oak Town crowd noise. Yeah, we got the black hole where they get it loud, boy. It's still God over money till they put me in the ground, boy. Reggie McKenzie really sparked this team. Drafted Car Amari Cooper and Marquette King. You ever need dance lessons? Marquette King and Seth Robertson, the fourth is probably our best thing. Uh. For the record, if I had listened to the song before I did my picks, I would have given a lot more wins. <laughs> right? Me too. I suddenly liked him a little bit more. <laughs> Ivan is uh, left that- anyway, so <laughs> back to the song. Oh, it's young Z in the building going hard for the king. I be trucking the devil like I'm Latavius Murray. And tomorrow ain't promised, thank God he saved me this early. Unashamed of the gospel till they hang me or burn me. My dad's a prince of peace, he didn't create me to worry. There's only one nation, that's the Raider Nation. Boy, I got a Napoleon Coppin' flow. Will make your home game look like a road game. You ain't know I fan bases all across the globe. Hey, I pull up with the squad, pumping kingdom music. Wanna know about our God, pump that kingdom music. He can change your whole life, dog. I seen